here oh, we yeah. go yeah. again. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today. We are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which was main evented by Sadiq Youssef and Edson Barbosa. And then we are going to discuss and give you our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC 294, uh, which is now main evented by the with the rematch, excuse me, between Islam Akhachev and Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, and that's not even close to all the changes that have been made to this card. Uh, so we're going to discuss all the 294 news uh, in that segment. And finally, and per usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts, including our thoughts on the end of the UFC's uh, relationship with USADA. Obviously, we got the KSI, Mm -hmm. uh, Tommy Fury, Dylan Dennis, Logan Paul fight. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, All that and a lot more, boys. (laughs) And under two hours, hopefully. Yes, and welcome with that, boys. Welcome to episode 154 of the Neon Billion Podcast. How we doing? Oh yeah, dude. It's all, I always know it's going to be a good episode when you do the and boys right when the beat drops. Oh, I time that every time. Yeah. So as long as that happens, I know you know what we got another good one coming. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose off top, uh, you know, we can kind of address a bit of the elephant in the room is because if you've listened for a while, um, you might be wondering why we are going to do our pay per view picks uh, on this episode instead of our mm-hmm. uh, new live kickback show that we've been doing now for what probably two months. Yeah. Um, so I got the news, and I can share this now because they've both put it out there, I believe, but I, I hope so. Uh, I know Cody did. But well, redacted. I got, yeah. I got the news late, late last week, excuse me, that um, John Morgan, Cody Merrill, uh, did part ways with the MMA underground. Um, I'm told it ended on good terms, so, you know, nothing hopefully too crazy. Uh, but consequentially, uh, that means with them out that I am out as well because those guys are the ones that brought me um, mm-hmm. into the MMA underground. I was working with them, under them, Um, so that means, uh, no kickbacks for now. Um, you know, I've been in communication with both of them. You know, the goal is to possibly, hopefully start something new with them. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we've kind of talked, we may even for the time being until whatever that is or whatever that looks like in the future. Um, you know, we might continue to do the live shows on our own YouTube because we did enjoy doing them. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't know if we would quite get the same interaction, obviously, (laughs) you know, our, Uh, 77, I believe, YouTube subscribers does uh, pales in comparison to the almost 8,000 that was on <laughs> right. uh, the um, MMA Underground channel. Uh, but yeah, definitely just want to obviously thank everybody who contributed and dropped mm-hmm. in onto those live shows that came over from the Neon Belly podcast. Um, and we are going to keep you guys posted if we decide, you know, to start them back up. Uh, you know, for the next pay-per-view, maybe we'll do a midweek episode and, you know, for the time being. So you'll get, you know, pay-per-view weeks. Maybe you'll get two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll figure it out. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, we don't have to disappoint you by not being John Morgan for a little while. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever whatever is next, we'll keep you guys updated, obviously. Um, hopefully we'll have some sort of answers internally as far as whether we're going to do it on our YouTube or whatever by mm-hmm. uh, UFC 295. But if not, you'll just get it on the weekly episode. Yeah, either way. We're kidding. It old school, and you're getting it, man. With that, boys, as mentioned, so much. What a week in MMA! I mean, 
holy cow, John told me one thing that a fight that was announced on Monday, and I'm like, Lord, that feels like that was two <laughs> weeks ago. I completely forgot about it. Yeah, uh, so two weeks ago in MMA time. Whew, yeah, and how much, like, over half of it has to do with this card mm-hmm. uh, this week, uh, this Saturday. So we got to talk about it, but to get to it, uh, we obviously have a fight night to recap. So, again, if you are new here, never listen to us, um, or if you are a regular, this recap might not be as in-depth. Um, we're just going to kind of go through it, talk about the fights, go through the results, um, but we got to get to the juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we do, Brandon, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. Rate, sub, follow every week. We try to let you guys know where you can find us you can spread the love and let us know how we're doing you can find us on our in, on our socials we're on instagram youtube twitter we're on apple itunes you can give us written reviews written reviews on there five stars spotify as well i don't think i'm missing anything tiktok we're on tiktok and a few other socials at neon belly podcast absolutely boys with that let us get to ufc fight night from the apex this past saturday and in our main event edson barbosa defeats super sadiq youssef uh, via unanimous decision um and let me actually another <laughs> disclaimer real quick is the this fight literally ended 15 minutes ago <laughs> yeah um so like last week we were recording this late saturday night so no post-fight stuff. If anything gets said, fights are made, whatever, big announcements. Look for our story. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, boys, what a fight. Close fight. Um, Yusef comes out, honestly deploys the perfect game plan in round one for fighting a guy like Edson Barbosa. You know, he had Barbosa on the back foot, crowded him, which took away the kicks. Mm-hmm. You know, he was trying to force Barbosa to engage with just the hands, just the boxing. Um, and he was landing, uh, Sadiq was, was landing massive shots, really beating Barbosa. Boza up um, and I think Edson was going to make uh, or I didn't think I mean Edson was going to make it out of that first round I think there definitely could have been a call for a 2-8 in there again haven't seen the scorecards yet um, then the round uh, I believe it was though if I rent right um, it was 48-46 49-46 on one judge and then 48-46 I think I'll, I'll try to pull him up um, but then round two you know Sadiq slowed a little bit Barbosa kind of came to light but our life Again, another close round two. I I really don't know who won some of these middle rounds, um, except for when we got to round three outside of round one because Barbosa landed one of his patented wheel kicks, uh, dropped Sadiq, kind of like what I said in the first round. I didn't know if Sadiq was going to get out of that Mm -hmm. round, um, but he held on. I think, you know, maybe... If Edson had done it like a minute earlier, he might have found a finish there. Um, almost did finish Sadiq, honestly, but Sadiq held on quite literally uh, to both of <laughs> Barbosa's <laughs> arms. Uh, both guys kind of slowed again in round four. You know, we saw the pace drop, another close one. Uh, but I think there was a case for 2-2 heading into the fifth with a possible 10-8 in there for Yusef. Um, round five was close, but I did give Barbosa the edge there. So I guess for me, boys, what I'm saying is I had this score to draw um, personally heading to the judges' scorecards. I had it three rounds to two uh, for Barbosa, but with the 10-8, mm-hmm. um, I figured I had it scored a draw. Do you think that there's a, a call for the third round to be 10-8 for Barbosa? So they did discuss that. So, uh, again, my understanding is for a 10-8, it has to be like – clear and obvious um as far as like winning the round now dropping him was very significant but it wasn't sustained right i think it happened in the last like minute and a half right. of the round mm-hmm. um and up until then it was a very close round um so i guess it depends like what that language necessarily means because um am i is it clear to me based off the fact that he dropped sadiq mm-hmm. that uh he won the round yes 
Now, does that warrant a 10-8? I don't know. See, See I what, felt, Because I guess ahead. real quick, what I'm saying is um, the reason I did give Sadiq a 10-8 in the first is because it was literally five whole minutes of him just pounding Edson mm-hmm. Barbosa and not just pounding him, but occurring damage, right? I mean, Barbosa's face was just cooked. They were talking about the whole fight, the damage that Sadiq had done, and I'm like, all that damage was pretty much done mm-hmm. in round one, though. Right. Um, I mean, he did that much damage. So... Again, dropping Sadiq, clo- you know, getting close to the finish, I don't know if that warrants necessarily a 10-8, but he did clearly win the round off of it. So, I, again, I don't Well, know. and what's tough about the third round, too, is he, like, severe— I mean, he was—I don't think it was a close round before the knockdown. Yeah, it was, fair. like, 63-14 to 14 on strikes, and he was landing to the body. He started—that's how he set up the wheel kick. Sure. So, I think that that could be, and maybe that's what happened— in this and I have obviously we haven't seen the judges scorecards but maybe he got a 10-8 he got a 10-8 so it came down to you know two four and five but um I do agree I do think that those middle rounds were I thought four and five were close I edged Edson in the fifth as well um but that round two and four could have gone either way depending on how you viewed it because I thought Barbosa stopped backing up after the first he started landing those teeps to the body and then that body work this guy landed 100 strikes to the body he was going to that left yeah um, great body work by all day for sure and Sadiq did nothing to stop him from dipping down and throwing that whereas in the first round every time Edson tried to do even just recovery tried a flying knee tried a billion things but Sadiq was walking forward but I think that body work really pushed um, the pace out of Sadiq the only thing I'll say in difference between like Edson's third round and Sadiq's first is the damage itself and like the shots that Sadiq landed and like they every all of them were rattling Barbosa. He didn't drop him, but like he was, you could visibly see the mm-hmm. way those were affecting. And I feel like the third round for Barbosa, yeah, he outstruck him, but the the other than the wheel cook, I don't think the damage was the same. Well, it's tough because it's body damage. You don't see. You might see somebody. You see somebody slow down, but you can't bl- make somebody bleed from their body. I mean, yeah, you can make I, it red. You can make it bruised. I mean, I didn't feel like Sadiq necessarily, um, like, looked labored. I mean, he definitely slowed down after that first round, right? Like, um, I mean, I don't even know if it was a lot. I mean, that was a lot. That was a big pace to push. Mm-hmm. I would say it was more of, like, a normal fighting pace that he, you know, reduced himself to after that first round. Um, but I feel like that pace is almost, I mean, unless you're, like, Marab Dwalashvili, that's, like, an mm-hmm. impossible pace to keep for five rounds. All right. Well, and it's the layoff in your first five-round fight, too. And I think getting a little bit of context there. I love that, you know, Cruz said that Lloyd Irving, um, Sadiq's coach said that that was a part of their game plan, come out really heavy um, and then kind of sustain through the later rounds and then look push again late. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, some of that might have been by design as well, the slowing of right. the pace. Um, looking at the scorecards, Derek Cleary, Sal Diamato both gave 10 eights to Yusef in round one, um, but then both scored every round after. For Edson Barbosa, that's kind of crazy to me. I mean, again, super that's how close I rounds. Um, and then uh, Chris Lee, 10-9 in the first round and then for Yusef and then just like the rest of them uh, gave 10 nines to Barbosa for every other round. So um, all three judges at least consistently seeing rounds two through five mm-hmm. uh, for Barbosa, which is at least good. Right. I mean, I'm not going to gripe about it because again, super close rounds. Um, but just as much as I feel like there was a case for Edson and some of those, I feel like Sadiq as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'd have to look at the numbers. It's still, super early <laughs> like we're just getting done but well i think for barbosa this was that that experience and veteranship even yeah. with getting hurt to get to that clinch to get to the guard and hold him some to attack a leg to distract him like he recovered through all that and then to make the adjustment to oh i got to go to his body and slow this guy down because he's running right through me 
Um, yeah, it's tough too. But even if you look at the scorecards, like if this was just a three round fight, Sadiq's well, I guess on the two, the ten eights, it would have been a draw mm-hmm. at least. But um, yeah, interesting there. I don't know. I I figured maybe there was one more round in there that he won. I don't recall. It might have been the second round I gave to Yusef. Mm-hmm. It was either the second or the fourth. I don't remember. But well, I know the third through fifth. Um, Barbosa picked up his pace and landed a lot more, especially to the body. Like sure. I said. Um, and the numbers were kind of there for him. And then even in that fifth to kind of chain those takedowns down at the end, because obviously they were both dog tired, just kind of swinging aimlessly uh, to stay out of damage from that, especially the damage that that eye took for Barbosa, I thought was really smart. Sure, but great win for Barbosa. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we talked about last week, kind of had an up-and-down run since moving to 45, um, and beating a young contender like uh, Sadiq is, is just a massive win for him. Uh, moving into our co-main event, boys, Viviani Adeujo defeats Jennifer Maya via unanimous decision. Another close fight. I had it 1-1. Going into the third, uh, the third round was razor close. Did you guys agree with this? Because I just ever so slightly had Jennifer Maya edging out round three, personally. Not agreeing with the judges tonight, apparently. I, wasn't. <laughs> I, I don't think I had, I did not have Maya winning. I think the third round was particularly close, but no, I think with the top control in round, was it two when she was on bottom or round one? I believe she was on bottom for most of the round. I don't know. Two, I, I two just, was, so, so two was Viviani Araujo's best round. Right. Um, I gave, Jennifer Maya round three, as I mentioned, looking at the scorecards right now, every judge uh, gave Jennifer Maya round three, but none of them gave her round one, which I thought Jennifer Maya won. They all so they all scored it ten uh, nine rounds one and two for Otto Ujo. Yeah, mm. round one was the one I just don't remember. Like it was round super. Two, it was, oh, round one was a great. I, round. I know that I know that uh, Maya landed at least two or three times that one two straight down the pipe that was like really flush. But outside yeah. of that, I don't remember much from round one. It was. Oh, I mean, it was a great round and. You know, maybe because Maya, like, she had, like, a crazy welt on the side of her leg. You know, Otto Ujo was landing some heavy leg kicks. But um, it was a really good back-and-forth round. I thought it was a great um, showing for Otto Ujo. I didn't necessarily give her as much credit against Maya, who's had a lot more high-level experience. I thought it was a really good showing for both of them, really, but for Otto Ujo to get the win, obviously. Yeah, and, I mean, she's going to find herself back in the top ten facing another top 10 opponent, I'm sure. Um, you know, she was one at one point we thought was maybe a win or two away from a title shot and kind of fell on some hard times, but get to win here again. Um, the next fight, boys, and the one that I was probably most excited about on this card, Jonathan Martinez defeats Adrian Yanez via second round late kick TKO. Um, and just keep jo- uh, chopping that tree, Johnny. Holy cow. Uh, what a late kick clinic uh, put on here by Martinez. And these Factory X guys, man, just the best in the world at this uh, technique. Um, <clears throat> Chris Gutierrez, Martinez's teammate, also fought on this card. I watched that fight. It was the early prelim and ruined his opponent's leg as well to get a win. Um, and sometimes, boys, I can look in my crystal ball and predict exactly how a fight's going to go down <laughs> oh, and play out. And that's exactly what I did here. Um, and for John, I guess it's just more like I watch film and sometimes I see certain things and pick things up. Sometimes they don't always stick out to me. Uh, but in this matchup, they did. Because you can go back last week and listen to the episode and I almost verbatim 
said exactly how this fight would play out, and that's you how it played out. Also said multiple times, I could see this going either way. No, for either sure. one of these guys. I said I could, could see Yanez piecing him up, but I picked Martinez, which is the way I said the fight was going to go, how I thought it would go. What'd you say? I said I knew the Southpaw and Orthodox matchup yeah. was going to play perfectly into Martinez's late kick game, which it did, which the commentators and, called out as well. And you talked about his slick jujitsu. Who? You did about Martinez is slick jujitsu. You talked about how he's yeah. I said he's got some sneaky good jujitsu. Yeah, you you didn't say he was gonna win via leg kick. Yes, I did. I said he's gonna eat his legs up. I said especially Yanez, who's super boxing heavy. Um, I said he's gonna play into you know he's who uses especially a more boxing stance. I said it's gonna eat up that front leg. It's gonna yeah. Doesn't mean he's gonna hurt his approach. And uh, like I said once again, you know. It took and well, and like Martinez said, the leg kicks took away the speed and and power in in the. Uh, punches of Yanya. This so. is the pro- this is the problem with you making that statement though. You literally pushed the embarrassing button last week because of something that you said. No, I said sometimes right. I can look at my crystal ball. Everybody has a 50-50 chance to call and it I right. I said not always. I this, said not always. Because like always, these fights come down to who lands their game plan first. I thought there was a good chance that Yanez could have to get to his boxing before the leg kick started landing. But the game plan that I said was going to be deployed and how it would play out on the feet is exactly just how, how he wins out. all his fights. To Brandon, what Brandon's saying about the grappling is, I just said even if it goes, and I said and if it were to go to the ground or play out, I would still give Martinez the advantage there. I think the exact phrasing I said is, I feel like he's just the better all around fighter. Yanez is. A really good boxer, probably the best, I believe I said, if not the best in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like in terms of just all-around striking, all-around mixed martial arts, I felt like Martinez was the better. And I felt like um, Yanez just isn't a guy that switches out of that stance, man. How many, you know, a- after like seven of those leg kicks, I mean, you got to get out of Southpaw at that point, man, and he just didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we see it, and... and what pick? I can't remember which fight it was for Martinez, but it was the same thing, and it, and then it stuck out to me. I'm like, this guy isn't switching stances, and I start watching Yanez's fights, and I'm like, same thing, man. He takes mm-hmm. his heavy boxing approach. He doesn't switch stance. This is Martinez is going to do this exact same thing to him, and sure as shit, here it is. Right. You're Somet- welcome. I mean, and sometimes people are just really good at a technique, and no matter how much you drill and it, sometimes for me, I can just watch film and I just know what I'm looking at. You can make a good guess, which that is what we not all a guess. I call which it. is what we all do it's because we've get a, we we've got whole main events wrong it's, before. It's all not, of us. It's not a guess. If it I is called, a guess. No, if it yes, called, it if is. I called it, it's it called, man. It's literally a guess because you don't know. I mean, I still got the points for it, so whatever, John. You picked Yanez. <laughs> Who got the points for the main event? <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Oh, man. Anything? Anybody else? Well, on this fight? Yeah. No, well, I love seeing death by leg kicks, so I mean, it's I just tough. enjoy it's, the fight. It's a like, tough way to go yeah, out. I was starting to feel bad for Yanez. Yeah, it's, it's tough to watch, and you can see it on his face, right? Like, he knows oh, how much I he's know. got. He's the only one who knows how much he's got left, and then that last one, the very first one he got hit with, it rattled him. Like, you could see him take an awkward yeah. step, and I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. But that is kind of crazy, too, yeah. that he just never, like, why, it's easy for us to sit here and call, like, Monday Night Quarterback, right, or whatever that is, but, like, why wouldldn't you switch stances? At he that just point? doesn't, like, man. Like that was one thing when I was watching his fights. He just doesn't very often. And there was really no attempt to grapple either. There was like one or two kind of yeah. half-ass shots. And I was just like, man, even just a little bit of a grappling exchange could just change this entire thing. Yeah. But Dude, Martinez's legs are huge too. Yeah. So is Gutierrez, man. I'm telling you, like I just they must have a diet and the way they live. Something about that gym, man. That mm-hmm. whole Factory X team. I mean, even like Anthony Smith, who trains there now, right? Like Anthony Smith has developed like nasty leg yeah. kicks, which we're seeing him use more now it's just there's just something about that team and i'll be honest with you i think a guy like yanez um and again let me let me just cut in the whole yanez thing uh just out of respect we're doing that you know you expressed this week that um 
in an interview that he, you know, uh, over time, his name has basically been kind of like whitewashed or Americanized and he's had a kid now and he wants his kid to know his heritage and, um, it's an Inye, not an in. And so he said he doesn't want to be Yanez anymore. He wants the uh, correct pronunciation, which I totally am behind. Mm -hmm. I totally respect that. So we're going to respect it and uh, change it as well with the Yanez. Shout out to the commentating team because they went to it quick and early and often. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he wants. That's what he wants. And I think it's – I get his reasoning with having a kid and being a dad now and wanting his kid to understand his heritage. I think that's awesome. Um, But – I think a guy like Yanez could really benefit from a factory X. Like he just needs more weapons. Like yeah. the hand speed, the, the the hands are phenomenal, and it's gotten him to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we've seen him lose now two fights because he doesn't have any. He can't go to much else. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with the Rob Font. It's like when you can't, when you don't have a plan B, C, or D at this level, you just got to man. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you got to be able to switch stances. You got to be able to start deploying leg kicks of your own, or or just add the grappling. Yeah, the threat. Gra- yeah, the threat of the grappling. Some even if it's not wrestling, getting to do some clinch stuff, yeah. like find some ways to but get just, people off of that. But the reason I say factory X because it's easy to say go to the gym. The guy that just beat you is from. But I really think like deploying leg kicks like that. If he can find a way to do that and add that to his overall. Str- oh my gosh, man! Do you almost feel like that? Like the leg kicks and investing in them, in them in that way is similar to the whole jujitsu. Like why would you ignore fifty percent of the human body? Could be. I mean, like, I mean, there's something again with that gym and Mark Montoya that he's got those guys dialed in on that mm-hmm. that game, and they they deploy it at probably the highest level. Mm. I mean, if I was anybody in that in the sport, I would be like going out there like teach me how you guys do this because right. they change fights. And I believe I even said that is like one of these like Martinez if he starts landing him it's going to change the fight cuz mm-hmm. but that's what he does. It's yeah. like I can sit and joke about Crystal Ball, but he's done it seven other I mean how what they said he's the other than Edson Barbosa, he's the only guy with multiple Yeah, leg kick not leg, finishes. Yeah, yeah, he's this is what he does. So yeah, super, super impressed, though. Uh, I love the Marab call out there as well, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think he'll get that fight. But I will say I would love to see him and Pedro Munoz, uh, you know, give Martinez a chance to get some payback and revenge for his teammate Chris Gutierrez, who mm-hmm. uh, Pedro just beat, I think, two or three fights ago. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to see that. I think it'd be fun, little storyline there. You know when you watch fights and – or like you watch like your favorite comedy and you watch it so many times that you start to notice like new funny things. Mm-hmm. I notice a new random thing that I think I've thought about it before, but I've never like outwardly said it. And I'm like, I'm just going to bring it up on the pod. I don't know why I get like super anxious over that. The Tate guy, the guy, the um, cut man. Yeah. His way of putting Vaseline, he uses that stick. And it just doesn't look like it puts anything on. <laughs> the Q-tip? Yeah. No, no, no. Like it's stick. like a glue stick. Oh. So most of them have, like, Vaseline on their glove, and they wipe it and mm-hmm. smear it. And you can, like, noticeably see. But every time Tate does it, he uses, like, it looks like John said, a glue stick. And, like, he put it on Sadiq, and I'm like, it doesn't even look like he has Vaseline on his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just feel like that's, like, such Well, a maybe <laughs> it's a, a formula that, like, sticks longer. I don't like, know. The, the gloopy stuff is probably, after two punches, is probably kind of smeared off. I just feel like if I was a fighter, it would just give me anxiety. Like, I don't think I don't have as much as the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Also, I loved on this card, Dominic Cruz. Love that the ref's giving him time here. <laughs> like, dude, Dom, move uh, on. Yeah. Dude, at one, po- at <laughs> one point, he on. said that... 
He was talking about Barbosa moving forward and moving back, and he said something along the lines of, "When he's moving backwards, he can't go forwards. But if he's going backward or if he's going forward, then he can't go backwards." And I'm like, "You just said the same thing twice, my man." Like, mm. oh, God bless Bisping. I love mm. Bisping, man. But you know, I feel Got like the glasses this time. Them boys yeah, was thick. Yeah, yeah, that guy. He Bisping's another one that just says some some off the wall stuff. Um, any other uh, results, boys? Michelle Pereira, man, Ooh. big win over Andre Petroski. Looked good in his <clears throat> middleweight debut. Looks like a middleweight. I it has to be Oof. said, you know, not be getting all sucked down. Um, that wasn't even a clean punch. I was like partially blocked and he still dropped. Christian him. Rodriguez Oof. defeats Cody Simon. That was a fun fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Elkins, Indiana. Yeah, the log, own, baby. Getting his <laughs> the log, round. yeah. Getting a submission win. Dude, he's so tough. Terrence <clears throat> McKinney with like a seven second knockout. 20 seconds. Crazy. He had the guy was on the ground in five seconds. So yeah. crazy. Um, I'm looking down. Obviously, Chris Gutierrez mentioned that. Yeah. If you uh, go to our store, I put that. You see that picture of that? Um, oh, I saw Ashley that. Yeah, that was funny. Jeez, man, yeah, she got was, cut up. That was rough. Yeah, that was rough. Uh, so yeah, pretty good fight night, man. Like I said, just not a lot to talk about in terms of storyline other than moving through them um, and then discussing the the paranoia that is uh, just not enough Vaseline, man. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. There's guy, it's like look for it if you're listening and look for it. You're gonna buy it now and then like apply it to your yourself and see how it feels it's just like Compare. i feel like i feel like when other cut men do it off their glove like they actually have like a glob of vaseline you can see it mm-hmm. i mean sometimes it's like too much it looks like and then when he does it he's just like wiping it and it's like i don't i don't see anything yeah. i don't see anything <laughs> sorry they cut the budget man i can only give you three swipes <laughs> i think if i was a fighter i'd be like anybody but tate although i will say tate and uh charles Oliveira, that's like the greatest thing ever mm-hmm. and he he's done well with Oliveira, clearly, right? Got him to a world title. So who am I? Got him to a world title. <laughs> <laughs> who am I? Brandon, uh, we are two weeks behind on yeah. scores because you weren't here. So uh just give us a total update. So currently you're first with eighty four. I have seventy seven, John has seventy one. That's the last two weeks added in. All right, John, maybe you'll this week watch some film. Maybe you'll have your own crystal ball prediction. Here's the thing anybody can fifty fifty guess. Which is what everybody does. But it's different when your guess aligns with exactly what happens. That's what feels good. That feels good. I'm just going to take how he wins most of his fights and say it out loud. And especially, and especially like for me when I know I watched film on it and I cued in on it and I brought it up on the pod and then it really happened. Right, what happened to the ones you get wrong though? I mean, that you I, watch I film said on? sometimes. I said not always. I did specify that. I mean, anybody can throw a rock in the you can, water. You, 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 you can play it back. I did specify not always, only sometimes. I mean, that's everybody. Maybe you'll get one right soon. One. I have an eight ball, not a crystal ball. It just tells me pick him or pick him. John, I will. I will. Like, <laughs> That's a good analogy. I will. You say what? You said I have an eight ball, not a crystal ball. I just do this, and it says pick him or pick so him. That, your, your score reflects that. Let's be honest. <laughs> I've been screwed out of a lot of a judge's decisions too. So. Your, your score reflects that, John. I will say uh, that's good for you. Hey, I'll tell you what, John. If you ever make a prediction like that, which I think in 154 episodes you have never predicted, you've predicted winners, fair enough, but never like where it's like actually played out. I will give you five bonus points. What do you I'll, mean? I'll, I'll tie you with Brandon. You didn't say he was going to win by leg kick stoppage. I'll, I'll tie you with Brandon. No, just the game plan that was deployed. <laughs> I do when I tell who I think is going to win and how they're winning. No. <laughs> All right. Just Go keep, back to the tape. Just keep using that eight ball, John. This Saturday, boys, UFC 294, October 21st, live from Fight Island in Abu Dhabi uh, with a special main card start time. Don't say we didn't tell you. Of 2 p.m., Eastern Standard, um, and you guys know 
I got a little fun fact about Abu Dhabi before we get into this card, and that is, boys, Abu Dhabi is home of the world's first gold ATM machine. Uh, the machine contains a computer that tracks the market price of gold in real time. Once money is put in the machine, uh, the gold bar is dispensed in a box along with a receipt of the transaction. Fail safes are built in to prevent money laundering, including a maximum of three purchases in a single day and a required ID scan um, accompanying all purchases exceeding $1,000. That's a lot. Any of you guys interested in a gold bar ATM machine? No, not at all. Why? Gold's the future, man. I I don't know if I buy that, but oh, coming from the guy that sold his whole four hundred one k into Bitcoin. Okay, Brandon. (laughs) Moving into our main event. On my my flip phone too. You guys got a Bitcoin ATM? (laughs) Trying to get some McDonald's. I watched a YouTube video the other day, Brandon. Speaking of which, of a guy that said was seeing if you could live a day in New York Mm -hmm. City uh, without a cell phone. The answer is no. Um, yeah. Just so you know, so well, yeah, that makes sense. Just so you know, That's why you staying in the mid wicked, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Let us begin with our main event, boys. We're obviously, um, unless you were living under a rock, uh, you know that this past week, Charles Oliveira, who was originally set to take on Islam Makhachev, was forced to withdraw from this fight due to a cut he sustained above his eye. Apparently. I think Dana said it happened like in the fifth round yeah. of his last sparring session. Heads collided. Like minutes, seconds left in the round. So crazy, man. What if he had Tate in there using the Vaseline? I, I mean, come <laughs> on, man. Or, I mean, if you ask Uncle Chael, he was never going to fight, right? Why are you not using headgear on the day before you leave? I don't know, man. But that's them, though. That's two. Shoebox is different. But stepping in on just 10 days' notice, boys, is the featherweight king himself, Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, and I guess we can start there. You know, what was your guys' reaction to hearing this news? Um, not only about the cut from Oliveira, but that uh, Volk was going to take the fight. I was very surprised. Yeah. I, I didn't expect it at all. Now, I'm not as plugged in as you guys like there's a lot of stuff i miss because i don't check news till like two three days after it hits a lot of times mm-hmm. but i didn't see it coming at all as far as replacements i was thinking it would be like gamron or something other than volk i did not think volk would be the one yeah yeah and, and, and obviously sucks for Oliveira right before you're coming there and um was looking forward to that fight but this just kind of fits how volk is man this guy is always ready for big opportunities. I mean, he's kind of basically said that, like, at this point in his career, he's just trying to do big things for his legacy, yeah. and you don't get bigger than this. Yeah, I think it's ironic, you know, Alvera said, obviously, like, we just kind of joked around that he didn't want this fight, right? That was the whole thing. So then when the fight was agreed to, we're all like, what? You said you didn't want to fight in October. Like, what is this? And it was so weird. We were kind of scratching our heads, like, does he really want to fight? You know, I think you had kind of mentioned maybe he was kind of holding out for a better deal, which, mm-hmm. again, we've seen that, you know, strategy deployed. So there's a good chance that was the case. Um, but then, you know, many thinking um, with that, the re with Oliveira potentially not wanting that fight, that the rematch with Volk did make sense mm-hmm. for this fight. Um, and so now as we sit here and to see that's exactly how it worked out, it is a bit ironic. Um, I do think the general consensus, though, is that uh, the last-minute nature of this fight kind of puts Volk in an extreme disadvantage. Come um, off a of surgery, too. Uh, but I'm curious, you know, do you guys agree with that or not? And I'm not looking for your pick here. You know, mm-hmm. if you think he's going to win, you know, we'll get to our picks in a second. Um, the question I'm specifically asking is, do you, you know, is this last minute nature putting him at too big of a disadvantage in this rematch? Um, or, you know, does it maybe even have some advantages? Because, you know, like, I guess I can start because me and John were talking about it Thursday and I'm like, 
hey, he fought him, man, he had three months' time, it wasn't too far off, it was a good shot, maybe only having a couple days to process the fight, maybe it is an advantage to it. You don't sit around and think about it, or Mm -hmm. you're just kind of going now, right? I'm Mm -hmm. sure he's just in go mode at this point. I don't know. What do you guys think? Any disadvantages, advantages? I don't don't think, I mean, I think there could, you could say there's some disadvantages, sure, but I think that if there's any disadvantage, I think it plays out on both sides. Like, you know, it's last minute preparation for a guy. Um, I think both of them are, there's not an issue with cardio. Like, I don't see that being an issue for either of them. It may be a slight disadvantage for Volk, but for me, I think it's way more of an advantage i think for volk this just kind of adds fuel to that idea of he showed him too much respect in the last fight so this fight all the more reason just to go in and try to knock his head off and finish him and i think volk has all the tools to do that so honestly no i don't feel like there's much of a disadvantage here for volk at all and you know usually for situations like this you worry about a weight cut right well you're talking about a 45er who doesn't have to cut nearly as much who's already done this before in the last fight with his um so he knows how he feels at 55 he knows what he needs to do so he has that advantage um he's also like you said you know having that shorter bit of time you know you don't you don't overthink things you can yeah. look at what you did in the last fight make some adjustments and uh, jump right to it and for islam he was training for somebody completely different he was training for a reckless striker that's going to come forward and you know ha- does have strong jujitsu but obviously he's been able to finish that guy so now he kind of has to go back into the bag of okay you know what what did he do good against me in my last fight and how do i adjust to that so yeah i don't know i think you know I would consider Volk a striker too, though. So I feel like that right. that will give Islam some advantages having, you know, been training for Oliveira that whole time. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think that's a, you know, it, I, I think maybe more time you could argue, you know, just more time to prepare, like tactically game plan stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there was much that was going to change anyways if they rematch now. And both these guys are just savages for doing this. Yeah. I mean, because Islam, he's risking a lot here. Yeah. And I know there's been a lot of questions as well about Gamrat, who was slated to be the backup fighter for all. Oliver and Islam um, and the way that kind of I'm interpreting it as we sit here is that he still is going to serve the backup role um, and that apparently it seems like to me anyways the the role of the backup fighter is strictly to be there for like weigh-in fight night emergency mm-hmm. fight week stuff which I guess I don't see how this doesn't qualify as that um, but again I also see if you're the UFC and you can do if Volk's willing to do it you definitely take that mm-hmm. route I get it right you got you got pay-per-views to sell um, right. so I completely understand if a guy like Volk's willing to step up you take that route um, but I guess Gamrot from the way I'm interpreting it is that his role will con- um, continue he will still be serve as the backup in make case, way make way you know in case something were to happen but yeah I guess as this whole backup fighter thing continues to evolve uh, we're just gonna have to continue to learn more about it and I do say that very tongue-in-cheek as well right <laughs> you know what I yeah mean? I mean it is I mean it does make sense to the extent that if you did give it to Gamera and then one of them didn't make weight fight night you don't yeah. have that guy now sure yeah I get it but um, yeah because then even if you call somebody on 10 days notice like hey a backup stepping up when you need to be the backup backup and make weight in 10 days yeah you know there might be a that might be a short list of people who can do that as well so with that boys i know everybody knows a lot about or enough about both of these fighters but let's uh, do take a quick look at our new main event um the champ islam Akhachev is coming into this second title defense since winning the title from charles Oliveira back in 2022 october of 2022 um in his last fight in his first defense back in february he defeated volk by unanimous decision and who would have predicted um with how deep this lightweight division is that islam Islam's first two title defenses would both be 
be uh, not just Alexander Volkanovsky, but moreover a featherweight. <laughs> like how crazy. <laughs> right. What are like who I would have never predicted when he beat Charles Oliveira. Like Volk, sure, fine, I get that. But the fact that this is now his second and it's a featherweight and there's plenty of lightweights, like just kind of crazy. Mm. I'm not complaining. Which, but he does have a little bit of a, a caveat because he has Ramadan, right? So there's months where he wasn't even able to sure. fight because he was obviously he's healthy but those months he's taking off and he he books later in the year and speaking of the six-time featherweight champ alexander volkanovsky after his loss to islam in february he returned to his weight class to defend his featherweight title against yai rodriguez back in july he won that fight by third round tko um so with that boys yeah let's get to the rematch who do you guys like here so uh, i'm i, I John did not watch film. That's what I, I definitely watch film. <laughs> anyway, shake that eight ball, baby. But did you at least rewatch the fight. Yeah, this is, I mean, no, he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> no, the he way did. he said listen, that. Listen, yeah. listen. Do you do you remember when I told John, look me in the eyes? I know. Yeah, I've known you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, John did not rewatch the fight this week. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> Alexander Volkanovsky has... Uh, you're starting to learn, right, Brandon? You're starting to see I'm the signs. There. I'm okay, getting there. Okay, Alexander okay. Volkanovsky has fought more recently. Uh, Islam did you, hasn't... Did you at least rewatch the last fight with Yair? Yeah. Probably <laughs> no, not because like, okay. they're your loss. That's Anyways, true. That's true. Um, so he has fought more recently and had a chance to show more improvements, whereas Islam hasn't been fighting in this time. Sure. And I thought that Volkanovsky showed a lot of really good work with his boxing in the fight with Yair. Um, and that gives me a lot of... Uh, so... I'm leaning Volkanovski because I'm also going with the idea of kind of like the Izzy thing where you do a quick turnaround over somebody. You know you just need to make a couple adjustments and you could probably get this guy. And I think Volkanovski feels the same way because that was a close fight. Some people even thought that Volkanovski won the fight. So I do feel like he's only a couple adjustments away. Obviously, Islam can make adjustments as well. But I think there is something to, you know, this is a shot. You know, I, it's low risk because, you know, 10 days notice. I'm still a champion all these things. Um, so I'm going to lean Volkanovsky. I'm going to say he gets it done by decision. I think he knows he can um, go against some of the wrestling, and I think he'll be a little bit more active with his hands. Um, I, I'm leaning Volk as well. I rewatched the fight, and I, I just think that in that fight with Islam, the first one, Volk just did a fantastic job making Islam look very human. He had great moments on the feet. He had great moments in grappling exchanges. He was able to defend off a lot of takedowns, defend a lot of submission attempts, and I, I just think, and a lot of people thought Volk won. So I think in this turnaround, um, with it being short notice, it seems like it's just, you know, low risk. I, I mean, I get the risk for Volk with legacy and things like that, but at the same time, with it being short notice, I just think that Volk, it's, Volk has all the advantage as far as coming into this fight and what it means to him. So I think listening to his interviews and talking about how ready he is to just go in there and put it on him and not be so um, hesitant or, or give him as much respect as he did, I really think Volk's going to go in there and get the job done. I could even see Volk maybe even having some grappling um, exchanges where he's on top of Islam in this fight because there was moments of that in the first. So I'm going to take Volk. Um, I'll say... Buggy choke? <laughs> no, Craig Jones called it. Jones did say, yeah. Um, I could see TKO finish, um, knockout. I don't know what round, though. Honestly, I think it could happen early. I think Islam could actually win via knockout in one of the first rounds. Um, so I'll take Volk via th third round knockout. Interesting. I believe these guys are both just two of the best the sport has to offer. And for that, I'm not worried about the short notice nature for really either guy. Plus, like I mentioned, that last fight was eight months ago. Like, 
if they were going to rematch in October anyways, if that was the next fight, like how much could have really changed for either of them in such a short notice? Like, you know, I think they're both just really great. And I just think they both also create just such a tough stylistic matchup for each other. Um, and it's just going to be a coin flip regardless of, you know, when and where they fight, honestly, because they're just, they really kind of, compliment each other in a good like at least for us fans a good way <laughs> um however i did rewatch the fight as well um and i actually feel a little i interpreted a little different than brandon because um i feel islam is just kind of slightly the better mixed martial artist right now um and even more specifically just the better lightweight right um i think he utilized his size really well in that first fight even down to deploying um and, and having really good success with the tie clinch and really just kind of hanging on volk's neck a lot um i was really impressed that's not something i really picked up on landing big knees in the tie clinch as well um you know this is his division it's his belt plus he has defeated Alexander Volkanovsky which I think deserves some respect and acknowledgement um that's not to say you know, obviously I do believe Volk can win you know he did drop Islam a couple times in that last fight he caught him big um there was a couple times though I just felt like watching too he, he was almost like having to break what makes Volk great like he was almost like having to lunge just to land big shots because of the size difference at times um but yeah I I, I just also think at the same time, though, to say that is I feel like Volk did have his best success when he did turn the fight into a brawl a little bit, and I think that's something he needs to do. Let his combos, combos go, his punches go. I'd also like to see him do more leg kicks, man. Mm -hmm. You know, I know you typically don't want to do that on a wrestler, uh, but he had so much success with them in the first fight, and Islam didn't check any of them, like, yeah. at all. Mm -hmm. And he never countered on any of them into a takedown either. Like, it's not like he grabbed one or caught one and took Volk down as a result of it. Um, but again, I just think Islam is just the more complete fighter right now um he was also as i mentioned earlier he was training for Oliveira, who is another striker so i i don't know that it's gonna help or hurt but um it is important to remember that as well i actually like islam to finish man mm -hmm. i and i i think he's gonna get it done um i'm gonna say third round submission i think he's gonna submit him yeah it's gonna be ridiculous man i, I the fact that we got this fight twice in the same year yeah i mean who could have who had that one so no, totally agree. Uh, let us move now to our co-main event where, again, we saw some last-minute change. Um, as it was announced just the next day after this was announced, the main event, that Paulo Costa had to withdraw from this bout against Hamza Shimaev due to an elbow injury. Um, he had announced earlier in the week that he had surgery on the elbow four weeks ago and that he was hoping to be healthy enough to make the fight, which was... <laughs> pretty ambitious to say the least i mean you know typically when you have infections and surgeries you're mm -hmm. talking antibiotics i mean how much was he even able to train and i mean that's pretty you know and the goat face guy like comes out i mean that's more like him saying i'm gonna fight and then you talk to the ufc he's like yeah, yeah you're not but apparently the injury he was pulled for a staph infection it sounds like it got even more infected i think they said he's gonna have to have another surgery on mm -hmm. it or something like that um so taking his spot boys and making his middleweight debut this is nuts is the former welterweight champ kamara usman um and i had seen speculation that it would be him but i 
I didn't expect it. You know, I sent you guys Mm-mm. that video of DC said the replacement fighter would blow everybody's minds. I was kind of speculating Izzy, although we'll get into the news. It's the exact opposite for Izzy's future. Um, I also thought maybe Bo Nickel was another mm. one that I could see. Just he like, said he never even got a call. He said he never got a call. He said he would have taken it though. Yeah, but yeah I never got a call. But uh, Usman still definitely blew my mind. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> yeah. I just I was seeing people saying, I'm like, yeah, I just don't really see that for Usman. Like he's getting up there in age. He's kind of kicked the tires on retirement. Like you know, is this really the fight that he would want to take on last minute? But golly, Usman, I they're gonna need a separate jet for his ball sack. <laughs> I mean, th- this is crazy. Like, I mean, talk about. I mean, what is it? Fifty pounds a bag you get. Yeah. I mean, they, they had to pay like three extra for. Boys <laughs> bring carry on. Yeah. The show. I mean, geez, Louise. Uh, Dana did announce as well, boys, that the winner of this uh, will be number one contender for Sean Strickland's middleweight title. How crazy is MMA again? Um, that I think you know we always knew that we were gonna get Hamzat Shimaya versus Kamara Usman, but this time last year. We all thought it was going to be for the welterweight title. Um, And, you know, this is just another reason why I love this sport. It's impossible to predict. And here they are at middleweight competing for a shot at the middleweight title. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, This whole, I mean, you know, we talked about how crazy this week has been. This has been the craziest shakeup of any, like this card shakeup because this is this is the recent but there's been plenty of other fights that's changed or um, people has fallen off so the fact that you know we lost the co the co-main and main event and within hours after that we have historical yeah. co and main events again is yeah. just ridiculous yeah so i ditto to everything nate said man like i just did not think this was going to happen with um Kibaro stepping in like that especially given his age and like where he's kind of at in his career um but i couldn't be more excited to see the especially with the implications as well right like for each of these guys to get a shot at the title with a win it's just puts it even like an even bigger kind of stamp on this fight is how cool it is so i'm happy for it i think we also kind of have to discuss the drikas duplacy factor and all this right because he was guaranteed a number one contender fight with izzy um but declined to fight him in australia so strickland got the nod right mm-hmm. so he got passed up there um and boy, man, if you're DDP seeing how that fight with Strickland and Izzy paid out, you are probably wishing, even more so now, that you would have taken that fight, right? Because uh, we can all say that probably wasn't Izzy's best performance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you're DDP in the role that he's been on, maybe you think, geez, even if I was just 70%, I might have been able to win that fight. Um, but I will say I am totally okay with the uh, UFC moving on past him and giving the winner of this co-main event because I think for both of these guys to step up in this spot and take a fight against the other, even Hamza, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's facing a very dangerous guy in Kamaru Usman, a former champion on short notice as well and we say all the time because Dana has been very clear it's one of the few things at least you can say that Dana has always been consistent on as he says your window and opportunity in this sport is so small um, that you have to take your chances right we talk about it all the time when you get it Um, and as you see here and like I told you guys in this main and co-main event nobody is exempt from that Mm -mm. here are two of the biggest stars and most dominant champions and Usman and Volk who are both stepping up on late notice for their shots and their opportunities opportunities um so yeah i mean if you're drikas duplacy you got to take it yeah. like I, I mean it just or anybody you know even going back to when we talked about may rob and, and um aljo mm-hmm. it's like if you're may rob man you, this is what dana was trying to say like you gotta take you your know, shots dude you can't wait there's a saying that annoying little kids do when you're at functions and you get up to get something and you come back and they're in it you move your feet, you lose your seat. Yeah. And that's what DDP yeah, did. For sure. He goes on, I want to go on holiday. I want to do this. And then in the, in the mix of that time, 
uh, all this happens. And, and, you know, for Kamaru, we talk about, you know, taking a chance of opportunity. Now he has a chance to double champion. He doesn't have to try to fight his friend, Izzy, because of the way things have shook out. Um, Hamzat obviously gets a chance to put a stamp with a win over Kamaru and then get up as well. So it's, and then obviously Volkanovski going for double champ himself now. So, yeah. um, I mean, these are the biggest opportunities and these guys are stepping up in a big moment. I will say, um, I love Izzy versus DDP for the new number one contender though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love that. I still think I, we're going to get to Izzy news in a minute, but gosh, man, like I love that <laughs> fight. I love that fight. Uh, real quick, just a one word answer. Do you love this matchup between, uh, Shimaev and Usman more than Shimaev and Costa. Yes, hundred percent. Me too. I'm kind of in the middle because I was excited to see what Costa did. Um, because I'm excited to see how Hamzat handles a real 85 or like sure. a top level 85. I've seen videos of Usman, man. He looks like an 85. Oh, I mean, it's gonna be dude. interesting to see him in the cage. We'll have to see him on fight night and all that. But he looks big. Oh yeah. Um, let us take a quick look as we did with the main event on our new co-main event. Uh, we'll start with the former six-time welterweight champ, Kamara Usman, uh, who lost his title to Leon Edwards back in August of 2022, which ended a 19-fight unbeaten streak. Um, and then most recently, he rematched Leon for his former title back in March of this year, where he again lost by a majority decision. His opponent, the Wolf, Hamzat Shimaev, is probably, um, I would say, one of the most hyped contenders we've seen since Conor McGregor Mm -hmm. I would probably have to say Um, and that's because he is a perfect 12-0 in his mixed martial arts career and 6-0 in the UFC Um, he spent over a year on the sidelines as we haven't seen him fight since September of last year Uh, that was the night he was supposed to fight Nate Diaz but missed weight and the whole card was shuffled second craziest card shuffle yeah yeah (laughs) and then he instead fought uh, Kevin Holland Kevin Holland uh, who he beat by first round submission um, and I, for one, as I said, I just love this new matchup uh, more than the original one because this is one that I've wanted to see for a really long time. Mm. Uh, but the question is, boys, who are we liking? We will start with John. I'm going to go with Kamaru in this one. I think that what Bur- what Burns was able to do to John Hamza, taking both of the replacements. I like it. Listen, you got to risk it to get the biscuit out here. And it's not it's not even far-fetched to me. Um, no, no. With, with how Hamza looked against Burns, at 170, I think that Kamaru does some of the things that Burns was able to do a lot better as far as having that power and landing some of those punches. And I think, obviously, he throws in... He has wrestling as well. Um, even in the rematch with Leon, he was able to apply his wrestling a little bit more and change his style up a little bit. And for Hamza, I just haven't seen him do it against a high-level 85er. And then even his one time against a, uh, the high-level 170, I thought it was a really close fight where he risked it a lot and got dropped a lot of times. So I'm going to go with Kamaru here, and I'm going to say that he... He wins by decision as well. I think he's going to be able to wrestle with him, but I do think he's going to be able to land some big shots to kind of keep Hamzat's aggression away. I'm taking the wolf. Um, I think that Hamza, or yeah, so going back to the Burns fight, because that was kind of a big one to, to look back on for him. I think a big part of big part of the reason we didn't see him wrestle as much in that fight is just because of Gilbert's jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I don't think Usman has that same threat. Usman's got a 97% takedown defense, but I think Hamzat... Honestly, I think if he wants to take anybody down, I think he can probably do it. The only person I think he might honestly struggle with more is probably a Bo Nickel. We'll see, though. I mean, Usman may have a great job or a great time defending those takedowns, but I still, even on the feet, man, he dropped Burns. I think he has the ability to drop Usman. We've seen Usman be taken down by Leon Edwards and get knocked down by Leon Edwards. So we know both are possible. So I think if anyone can do it, it's it's 
Hamza. Like, mm. the dude is crazy. So I, I imagine him going out there. Honestly, I think he might finish tomorrow. So I'm going to take Hamzat by, I'll say, I'm going to go with, I don't know, this might seem kind of crazy. I'm going to go with first round knockout. <laughs> Addition by subtraction, this is at its finest, boys. This honestly is probably, especially being last minute, I almost feel like adds to it. This is matchup of the year for me so far. Mm. I'm just so pumped for this. Um, wanted to see it, obviously, over a year now. Um Genuinely have no idea what's going to happen. I have no clue. Um, I have a hunch, um, but and regardless of my crystal ball, remember, say is it a crystal ball I, hunch? I, or this just is a, not. This okay. is not a crystal. Just ball need hunch. to specify. Um, I know nothing in this one. <laughs> like the main event, I know nothing. Uh, these guys just both so high level. Um, in the case of Usman, even more so, so experienced um, that I believe they are truly both equipped to fight anyone anywhere mm -hmm. regardless of style matchup kind of like i said in the, for both guys in the main event as well um i do see outcomes with both guys winning this one of the bigger ones i see is is for especially for usman is for him KOing hamza and i'm talking like jorge masvidal devastating one punch fashion. Up, man. yeah you know like john said you know we saw gilbert burn the fight there and the striking defense was an issue for shamayev he got tagged he and dropped quite a bit fight. um and usman trains with gilbert right and I'm sure even before this fight was announced that they've discussed and trained for this matchup because, you know, Usman knew this was always a possibility, even if it was a welterweight. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think this is the first time Hamzat's been on his mind, on the forefront of his mind, <laughs> right. I'll say that. Um, and we also saw the pace of Hamzat slow in that fight with Burns, right, when Burns was kind of able to match that. And for a guy like him who relies on that relentless pace and pressure, um, if Usman can survive, man, you know, he can make Hamzat pay, you know, because... All Usman knows is five-round fights, right? So mm -hmm. he's going to probably be able to sprint through three rounds. I mean, right. who? it's been, what, seven, eight, ten fights for Usman since he's mm -hmm. had a three-round fight. Um, he's going to be ready to go. I don't think cardio is an, is an issue here at all for Usman. Um, however, I just my hunch is that Shimaev is going to want to prove a point, and I think he's going to want to do that through the wrestling and grappling. I really do, especially mm -hmm. because Kamaru is a wrestler, and that's what he's billed as. And Shemayev's just that kind of guy, right? <laughs> um, and, and, and if you're Shemayev, like Brandon said, you saw a guy like Leon Rocky Edwards take Usman down, and his guard left a lot to be desired for. Well, right? he went straight and, into Mount. And, and yeah, the, I think he took his back. The back defense wasn't great. Um, so I actually think Hamza, you know, comes in, does one of his crazy, you know, drop level changes. What did you say? I said first round knockout. I actually have wrote down first round submission <laughs> for okay. Hamzat Shimaev. I just, again, would I be surprised if this is a third round? Like, very much like the Burns. No, I wouldn't. Uh, but I just feel like Hamzat, dude, oh my gosh. I got to stop watching Hamzat training videos. That's the problem. <laughs> you see him hitting the heavy bag, the video you uploaded more mm -hmm. recently? Holy cow. Like, golly, dude, I feel bad for that heavy, heavy bag. Holy cow. It's also kind of interesting is if Kamaru wins, obviously he's already fought Strickland at 170, and now he's coming up and he get a chance to yeah, fight Strickland for the title. Point. That'd be very That storyline would be interesting. Before we move on, I do have one question, probably a little bit easier to answer for Brandon than it will be for me and John. Uh, if someone offered you a million dollars to pick one, either of these rate, late replacement uh, fighters to win, so either Volk or Usman, um, who would you have more confidence in getting it done Saturday night for a $1 million cash prize? All you, if somebody was like, hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you can tell me which one one of these guys wins. Volk. You would you would put your money on yeah, Volk? 100%. He, it's a rematch. He's fought him before. It was a fantastic fight. I a think lot of I'd people put it on Usman. 
I think if I had to say one of these mm. late replacements, I think it would be Usman. I don't know. What do you think? I, I'm with you. Because you went with both. Um, yeah. I, I would say Usman just because of the knock. Because I don't know. I, just see I, I don't just, know if Volkanovski can knock out Islam, but I know for a fact that Kamaru Usman yeah. can knock out Chemayev. And Chemayev gets hit. And that's why I said, like, one of the things that I continue to see when I picture this fight is that Masvidal finish, man. I could just... And, like, Hamzat's got that kind of, like, bouncy where he's in and out. And then he just look goes. And I, if Usman can, like, backstep and... Oh, I could just see it, man. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, I'd. If you were like for a million dollars, which one do you think upsets? I'd probably go Usman. If I had to put my mortgage on the line, had to. So you'd say uh, I, I'd you'd say, say Bulk. Bulk. Dude, okay. I've been listening to. Maybe it's just because I'm biased. Been listening to his his interviews and his uh, mm-hmm. like his YouTube stuff. Great YouTube content. He, yeah, he's just been like. Just so you watched the YouTube video where he said he's been drinking and vacationing. Yeah. <laughs> That's I even like that, dude, because I'm like, yeah, okay. you know what? Like, he, he hasn't had an entire, like, you know, nine-week, eight-week camp. His yeah, body's not crushed. Like, yeah, he should be good He should feel pretty good, Fresh. and his cardio is usually always there, so that's who knows? A, that's a fair point, too. Uh, let us move to our one-point picks for this card, boys. Um, in the next fight, in the light heavyweight division, number two, Magomed Ankalaev versus number seven, Johnny Walker. Boys, Ankalaev returns, uh, having not fought since December of last year. Year when he fought Jan Blachowicz to a draw for the light heavyweight title. Um, a fight that was very close. I still felt like Ankalaev did just enough to edge out the win there and should have been crowned champion. That is my opinion, though. Uh, before uh, that fight, though, Ankalaev was on a nine-fight win streak in the UFC. Uh, his opponent, Johnny Walker, comes in on a three-fight win streak with wins over Iwan Kutalabe, Paul Craig, and most recently a unanimous decision win over Anthony Smith back in May. Um, this is an excellent uh, striker-versus-striker matchup. Uh, you know, two guys with very different styles. But uh, obviously, but I think one that will play out largely on the feet. Uh, so with that, uh, John, who do you like for uh, one point? Just I'm, need a winner. I'm gonna say Magomed. I think that um, he's very sharp, and Johnny Walker takes chances. But when somebody's sharp and you take chances, there's an opening in there. So I'm going with Magomed. I like Magomed as well. I think he's got a little bit of the grappling too. If he needs it, he can get it to the ground, and I think he'll he'll be all right. So I'll take Magomed. Yeah, I think this comes down to whoever wins. Um, the very early, I'll say this specifically, leg kick battle. Mm-hmm. Um, both of these guys use them to great effect. Uh, both of them use uh, front, like, teep body kicks as well. Uh, that could play out. Um, I think either guy could change the course of the fight if they do have success over the other in this department. Um, but I'm going to go Johnny Walker here as well. I think he's just one of the few guys who can match Uncle Live with the dynamic striking. I think Uncle Live has kind of gotten himself out of some really sticky situations with just being the more athletic, dynamic striker. And Walker is equally, mm-hmm. if not more so. Um, also not to mention, he is a massive guy who is going to have a significant height and reach advantage. Um, and Ankaliyev loves to attack with those blitzing combos. Um, and Walker is really good at striking while moving backwards. And he can kind of generate a lot of power as well from doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think we're just seeing a much evolved Johnny Walker, right? And these last three fights, and definitely a more patient one, yeah. going back to the Anthony Smith fight. I think we even joked maybe a little too patient at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling, you know, he is is going to have to try to finish, which is going to be tough because Magomed has never been KO'd or TKO'd in his career. Um, but if he keep, keeps the punches straight, I, I do think he has the power to do it. Uh, yeah, SBG Walker is different, man. I, I didn't, I don't great. feel super great about it, especially with the layoff for Magomed. But I also think that being in Abu Dhabi and, and being around people yeah. is going to help lift him up and kind of give him a, a boost as well. Not to mention he's just casually deadlifting 500 pounds, but whatever. <laughs> 
on to the next fight, boys. And in the middleweight division, we have Ikram Alaskarov versus Warley Alves. Um, and this was another fight uh, that needed some last-minute saving. So, John, you mentioned the uh, the Hamzat one. That was three fights that needed shaking up. This was actually another one, believe it mm-hmm. or not. Um, because if you remember, Alaskarov was due to face Paulo Costa back in July. But that bout was scrapped, and Costa was instead booked to face Shimaev. Alaskarov was then rebooked on this card to take on Nazardini Mavov. However, Imavov <laughs> then had to pull out for visa issues, and Warley Alves stepped in. I believe this played out last week as well. It mm-hmm. just was another one of those things that kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, but Ikram Boys is another guy who's receiving an early push from the promotion. He has a 14-1 record with his lone loss being to the Wolf the aforementioned Hamza mm-hmm. Shimaev uh, before they were both even in the UFC. Alaskarov comes in off Dana White's contender series, um, and this will be just his second UFC bout. And in his debut back in May, he knocked out Phil Haas in round one. One punch, baby, right mm-hmm. down the middle. Um, his opponent and UFC veteran, Warley Alves, comes in on a rough run of form. Two-fight losing streak for Alves, and he is just one in four. with his, or He has just one win in his last four. Um, he does have one claim to fame, and that is, boys, he is the first man to finish Colby Covington, uh, something that only Kamara Usman has ever been able to do. Um, that also, yeah, I say that also makes him the only one to ever submit Colby Covington as well. Uh, so he's not a world beater, but definitely a guy with a ton of UFC experience with 13 fights in the promotion um, and has been in there with some of the biggest names. Uh, if you go through, I believe he's fought Kamara Usman as well. Um, so this is a good uh, early test for Alaskarov. John, who you like? I like Alaskarov here. I think that this is kind of feeding him a little bit. Well, they needed somebody. Yeah. So whoever was willing to sign it was probably who got it. But I do put a lot of stake into the Phil Hawes knockout because Phil Hawes is a dog. Phil Hawes was having some success in that fight too, I will say. He looked good early. And Ikram also has the wrestling that he can use. Obviously, yeah. you didn't, you don't see it as much because he got the knockout. Um, but I just think that this is kind of tailor-made for him to get that shot to where you can kind of make more sense of the Nazardine or even the Paulo Costa booking sure. they originally tried to do. I like Ikram in this one as well. Um, that's who you said, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that a lot of that for me is just kind of staking on the lower or the the lesser performance as of late for um, for Warley. Um, but I mean, I, uh, the guillotine for Covington is obviously one of the highlights of his career. So I'll take <laughs> I'll take Ekrom. I'll say this: uh, you know, guys like Alves can be tough for guys like Ekrom early in their UFC run. Man, we've seen it before. You know, Alves is a great grappler with a phenomenal guillotine. He's got like seven or eight guillotine finishes. Um, but Ekrom also has to be mindful of the power that Alves possesses, especially early in fights, man. He comes out looking to throw gas, and he mm-hmm. wings them things. Uh, but I think, yeah, you got to go Ekrom here. You know, the hype is here for a reason. Um, and though we've had such a small sample size so far in the UFC, it's been very impressive. But, man, if you go look outside of the UFC, he has displayed a well-rounded game um, regardless of where the fight goes. And this is for you, Brandon. Ekrom, of his three or of his five submissions, three were by Kimura. Uh, so... That's something to watch out for. I didn't even know that. Put it so. on put it on your bingo card maybe this Saturday. Maybe maybe Might got a new lonely yeah. heart over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if Ekrom uh if Ekrom uh pulls out the Kimura over Alves, you can rest assured Brandon's gonna be probably shedding a tear somewhere. <laughs> so uh look out for that though. Yeah, nasty. Nasty Kimura versus nasty guillotine. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll play out on the ground. I don't know. But yeah, I'm going Ekrom as well. <laughs> uh and kicking off the main card boys and in the Bantamweight division we have Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Muin Gafarov 
I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and let us start with Saeed, not related to Habib Nurmagomedov. Uh, he is coming into this fight off his just his second UFC loss um, as he lost a decision to Jonathan Martinez back in March. That aged well. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that loss did end a four-fight win streak. Um, which did uh, see Saeed's name ranked inside of the top 15. Before that last loss, his opponent, Muin Gafurov, comes into the, uh, just his second UFC bout. Um, he lost his debut last time out by unanimous decision to John Castaneda. Um, and, yeah, this is a tough second fight if you're uh, Muin here, <laughs> um, especially when the first one didn't go your way to begin with. Uh, but here he gets Saeed Nurmagomedov. Who do you guys like? Muin Gafurov or Saeed Nurmagomedov? Saeed. Saeed. Yeah, Saeed. <laughs> Got to change it for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I like Saeed as well. Um, I just th- even the fight with Martinez, like it was a good fight. It was a close fight. Sure. Um, so I, I, I think Saeed's going to come back and probably with something to prove in this one as well. And I see it not going super. Lay, lay off the spinning stuff a little bit. Yeah. Just a little yeah. Bit. Yeah. Maybe make some adjustments there. But yeah, I think this one's Saeed. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning. Gafurov is a Sambo champion. You know, he likes to get off to a fast start. You know, so maybe if he can try to replicate like a similar start that Saeed Yokub had um, against Saeed Nurmagomedov, you know, maybe there's a chance for him in this fight. You know, because remember Saeed Yokub almost. Uh, I keep. I'm not saying that. Saeed Yokub. Saeed Yokub. Why can't I say that right now? <laughs> too too late. Uh, but you remember that fight was really close, and then you know Saeed, and that's the thing. It, it, Saeed still won. It still wasn't mm-hmm. enough for Saeed Yokub. Uh, and uh, Saeed also starts fast. Um, Got some sub wins under his belt too. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Gafurov was getting tagged up by Castaneda, and Saeed is just a different animal, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of even just the overall striking. So, yeah, I like Saeed here as well. I think that's uh, that's a pretty lock. That's like my lock for the whole card, actually. <laughs> um, in our prelim, we will cover real quick, boys, the uh, main event for our prelims, and in the flyweight division, number 11, Muhammad Mokhaev versus Tim Elliott. Uh, Mokhaev, boys, is a perfect 10-0 and in his career, including four wins in the UFC. All of his UFC wins, but one, have come by submission. Um, he last fought back in March where he defeated Jafel Fialio by third round sub. Um, he also, if you remember, uh, had to fight through a nasty knee bar attempt by Filio, uh, which gave him a partial MCL tear, which mm-hmm. had him sidelined for about six to eight weeks. Um, and he will take on his toughest UFC test when he faces veteran Tim Elliott. Elliott comes in on back-to-back wins and is a winner of four in his last five. John, who do you like? Man, uh, here's the thing. I don't know how the knee's going to look for Makayev right there. You don't know if he takes – another thing about it is Tim Elliott is so weird and herky-jerky. You don't know how he's going to attack that leg. But the other thing is is Tim Elliott only loses to champions for the most part. And what we got to determine is if he's if Muhammad is there at that level of the figgies or the mighty mouse or people like that. I'm gonna sneaky take Tim Elliott here. I think that he can vet this out, and I think that he can. He's. I mean, obviously he's been submitted before, but like I said, he he's only losing the top level guys, and we don't know if Makayev is that yet. So I'm gonna go Tim Elliott. Yeah, I'm a lonely heart fan. Nah, for I know. I should have had it so, queued up. I um, knew. I knew it. But yeah, I like what John's saying. His last four losses here are Mateus Nikolai, Brandon Royville, Askar Askarov, and Davison Figueredo. So not too mad at those losses. So even so, I'll take I'll take uh, Tim Elliott here. 
Yeah, I love Mokhaev. You know, this is a kid. He's made it very clear that he is here to try to become the youngest UFC champion ever. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like, John, you even mentioning, you know, is he of that caliber? Well, he better be because that's yeah. what he, he doesn't have much time. I believe he's, like, 23, so I think he's got, like, just under a year. Um, but, man, he has looked the part so far. You know, mm -hmm. I think he's definitely uh, got his hands full with Elliot, who is capable of pushing Mokhaev for three hard rounds. You know, so can Mokhaev keep up the pace? You know, we shall see. I am also, like John mentioned, and interested to see how that knee holds up for Mokayev. Does it affect the mobility a little bit? Um, but I am going to go with Mokayev here. You know, Elliot is tough to finish. Um, but, you know, you guys go through some of those names that he's um, lost to. But, you know, the one thing is he has shown holes in his grappling in most of those. Um, and he's, he gets submitted, you know, mm -hmm. and that falls right into Mokayev's game. Um, and I think Tim does his best work in the wrestling, but I just don't think this is the guy that you want to be shooting in on constantly. Um, and if you're asking Elliot to win it on the feet, I don't see that either. You know, he is tough. Um, and if someone could pull it off, I do think it could be Tim Elliott. But, yeah, I just love everything I've seen uh, to date from Ohio. I think he's so the I'm biggest underdog on the card. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that does, I don't think that's really warranted. I, 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 you know, Tim Elliott's a dog, man. He could mm -hmm. come out and just put the pace, especially – you know, if Mokayev's not 100% or... He's fought the best in the world, the man. Uh, so that is our UFC 294 wrap-up, unless you have any, you know, other, you know, matchups you want to mention real quick. Um, but one thing that we were doing um, on the live show that we wanted to continue, um, especially now, especially in this in-between, but we didn't want to stop, was doing our parlays. Uh, it's just something fun that uh, we kind of started doing. Um, excuse me, had to... Acid reflux. Jeez. But it's uh, just something that we've had fun, you know, doing, and we didn't want to stop doing it. Uh, so we're going to continue that, and these are our theme parlays. Again, if you've never watched any of the live shows, we just do them solely for fun. Um, you know, we're just playing small money here. Um, just be responsible if you're <laughs> right. gambling. We are not doing this by any means uh, to get rich. It is genuinely just for fun. If you have an issue with gambling, get help, reach out. You can reach out to us. We'll give you the hotline. How about that? Mm -hmm. uh, John, with that, and I will say as well, um, I believe, so we did what? I think we did seven kickback episodes. None mm -hmm. of our parlays ever hit, yeah. but I did hit on the last one. My parlay, the uh, Oosie Juice mm. hit, um, I believe, I picked all of the, well, it was all the Oosie. I did, um, uh, dang it, Justin Taffa. Tyson Pedro and uh, Olberg, mm. and it was like plus two sixty five, and I hit on that. So one first seven. I, I did. I did get one parlay right. All it so, takes is one. Yeah. So rally. I don't feel good about this. This was tough, man. Yeah. These odds <laughs> were were really tough. So go ahead, John. What's your parlay? Uh, my parlay is two stash or not two stash. Uh, <laughs> I picked four fighters, two of them with really good mustaches, and two of them who have no facial hair on I their lips. Uh, so I'm taking Trevor Peak on the money line. I'm taking Ikram on the money line, uh, Magomed Ankalaev on the money line, and Nathaniel Wood on the money line. So, all righty, this might be my best name I've ever had on any of mine. I'm calling mine Asaid uh, mm. because I'm going with the Brazilian Johnny Walker to win at plus two sixty five, and Saeed Nurmagomedov. Um, who I got at a minus 200 favorite, uh, but when you combine them on the parlay, the odds for both to win is plus 447. So a little high, but again, this was tough, man, because mm -hmm. I just they're, they're, the odds are kind of really inflated. If you look here. at the records on this card, there's so many like undefeated and one, two lost guys. Yeah. So it just pushes them odds so far. Yeah, and mine were kind of random, uh, but you know, I want nothing to do with the man or co <laughs> because I genuinely have no idea who wins either of those. 
I think Johnny Walker's the best dog and the best value right now on this card and like making it here on a Saturday. Um, and then Saeed is, like I said, he's just kind of my lock on this card. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, kind of a random, but, uh, you know, I pulled that name off. I Saeed. Not mad at it at all. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Uh, going on the news. Uh, uh. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> and what will easily go down is one of the craziest weeks of UFC news. We got one of the biggest topics as USADA, the United States Anti-Doping Agency, issued a statement revealing the imminent split between them and the UFC starting at the beginning of the year. Uh, this amount, this announcement came shortly after Conor McGregor had actually announced that he re-entered the testing pool. Uh, USADA cited the situation with McGregor, McGregor saying that the UFC was trying to push to allow him to fight without following the rule of six months in the pool and two clean tests before being able to fight. And then also talking about comments that Dana White and they said an announcer, but they were meaning Joe Rogan had said about yeah. their involvement in um, the situation. Uh, after this announcement, there was plenty of reactionary comments from the UFC, including Dana White referring to it as scumbagism um, and even prompting the UFC to threaten legal action with the defamation lawsuit if USADA didn't retract their statement and apologize. Well, then they did like a whole press conference. Right. To, to which USADA doubled down and said, we're standing by our comments yeah, and yeah. our credibility. Um, this also prompted a media scrum by UFC Hunter Camel and, or Camel, Campbell and VP of Health and Performance Jeff Nowitzki. Um, which they responded to the allegations toward McGregor saying that they used Connor as a vehicle to reframe the complete misrepresentation of what occurred over the past few months, um, saying that they've been working to move on from USADA for the past year um, and that this was USADA's attempt to prepare to move on from losing their biggest client. Uh, Campbell also announced that UFC will be replacing USADA with Drug-Free Sports International, which they count some of the biggest sports leagues as client, including the NBA, NFL, NHL, NASCAR, horse racing, NCAA, FIFA, CrossFit. So it's a very credible... Yeah. Yeah. Um, the doctor that they're bringing in to go over their tests and results is Dr. Daniel Ether. He has a lab in Utah, and it's one of two United States accredited anti-doping laboratories, which is the highest form you can yeah. get of a laboratory. And they announced George... Pyro, um, Piro, a retired special agent with the FBI who will serve as the independent administrator, widely recognized for leading interrogation against Saddam Hussein. Yeah. So, um, USC also are giving him final say and authority over any dispute in discipline. Yeah. Could you imagine walking into a room? That's the guy that like is <laughs> he's lying. What? I know. No, I'm not lying. Yeah. yeah. You're lying. Dude. I seen Saddam. Yeah. Um, Campbell even doubled down saying that the complaints from the fighters about the practices right. and methods of USADA, including waking up Volkanovsky in the middle of the yeah. night in Abu Dhabi or making Paulo Costa in the give first a sam- Islam fight. Right. Yeah. And then making Paulo Costa give a sample in the middle of cutting weight. Yeah. Um, he did say that all the suspensions issued by USADA currently will be upheld. Uh, there will be an increase on testing with the new program, which will push harder for searches for EPOs and things like yeah. that. But we'll also work to make it a less stressful process and easier for the fighters. I don't, I don't have much of a take on that. What? Honestly. This is like your thing. I mean, it is, but all you're all they're saying is that they're like the bigger beef is like the fact that they're falling out and they're just going with this new company who's going to make it more rigorous. Like, okay. I'm I'm more into the whole like statement from Gordon Ryan that you were going to get into, but Gordon. oh, Gordon Ryan basically saying that it's going to make the UFC oh, better if they let him dope. I, I guess like my whole thought was like the I, I'm always going to err on the side of what the fighters want. It seems like this is pretty much being received well by them. Like the fighters, mm-hmm. like you kind of went through. It sounds like even there was like some technology issues with the app in terms of updating. They said in that press conference where like 
trying to update your location. Remember so happened I'm, to Yair? Well, and then that instantly was where my mind went to like Yair, man. That dude had to get like suspended for like almost a year or something mm-hmm. because, you know, he didn't properly update his location. You know, I don't know if that was necessarily an issue with the app or whatever, but my mind did instantly go there of like hearing that fighters have consistently and continually had issues with it. Obviously, the... The stuff of getting fighters out of bed night before fights mm-hmm. and like that's just that's scumbagism. You know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, that that just that should have never been allowed. I, I don't know. I kind of get the vibe, at least from the outside, that maybe like uh, John, you're a Game of Thrones guy. Yeah. Um, the um, remember the high priests? The the mm-hmm. the uh, what were they called? The the that group. Oh. Is it the seven? Yeah, the seven. Yeah. Remember when they were like kind of slowly trying to like overtake the king and queen mm-hmm. and all that? That's kind of like the vibe I feel like maybe USADA was maybe getting a little too big for their bridges yeah. and trying to like throw their power around a little bit. And I think maybe forgot that they worked for the UFC and the UFC right. finally is like, look, no, this is this is our like this, this yeah. is still our promotion. You know that, right? You know, so and I know like the whole Connor stuff, I feel like we're still not getting the full truth or, or mm-hmm. not the full truth, but like the full story that there and i'm sure there's reasons why yeah and, and i mean there's some there's i mean i could have talked about this for an hour there was so much that came from that was an hour and a half scrum yeah um which hunter campbell did talk about how he specifically was telling them there's no way connor could have 37 negative tests right yeah. now but he still has to do the six, six months. months yeah which was one of the comments that you saw had said was right. like basically they're just doing this to try to get connor through the system faster and um that's what the U, that's one of the things the UFC was like. No, we made it very clear he is going to be in for. Like, I don't. Yeah, like you said, right. I don't care if it's thirty seven. He's going to be in for six months before he fights. And obviously, when this was first announced, before they announced who was taking their place, Twitter or X went crazy yeah. with the you know memes of fighters just being able to obviously yeah. dope bringing back Brock mm-hmm. Lesnar, TJ Dillashaw. Well, like that was my kind of instant like reaction when I read it. I was like, okay, that's cool. Like I, I get it. Like that's fine. It probably needed to happen anyways. But what's next? And like my thought was like, you know, I hope this wasn't just like a rash decision that they made just because of Connor mm-hmm. um, to get him back quicker. Because I'm like, man, it's one thing just to be like, yeah, USADA is not the best. Okay, that's fine. I think most people can agree with that. But you got to have something, right? right? You know, you can't just and you can't just throw. Well, we can get to that in a minute, <laughs> but you can't just throw something together. And it, right, but. Hearing this, it genuinely to me it's sounds like an upgrade. Well, and it sounds like this is genuinely something that they've wanted to do for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, they have like a full plan in place from right. what it sounds like. You know how with the UFC video game you were like, oh, I'm gonna wait until I see sure. more clips and see more until like I really make a decision. Yeah. That's where I'm at with this. Yeah. Like we yeah. can talk Fair all enough. all this about like how, how much better this new company is gonna be with all the new credibility as far as the labs and then this the guy retired. Yeah, the interrogator, <laughs> whatever that role is gonna be. Um, but I just want to wait and see. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you think USADA made the UFC better? No. No? Tell me what, what you saw better from, from USADA jumping in. Well, I mean, it may not be a popular opinion, but Brock Lesnar's not in the UFC anymore. But, but they did let him back. I mean, Shane Carr, you know, I, I don't know. Like, they're, you're happy you didn't, you're not seeing right, Brock Lesnar right. fight? So, like, so, that's, <laughs> so that's the other side of it, right? Because like, I do think, and I'm not going to sit here and start saying names because I think it's pretty obvious, but we did see a lot. When USADA came in, what, six, seven years ago it was, mm-hmm. I don't remember. 
we have seen fighters who significantly dropped off in yep. physique and skill and talent performance. and performance yep. and injuries yep. and everything. Yay. Yeah. Yay. I'm not saying it's, I mean, hey, that's something <laughs> that we could argue that's a whole other issue. But I'm saying if the goal was to eliminate from that from the sport, I think they did an okay job. They did their job, but that wasn't your question. But, but I'm not crazy about how they did it because, again, I would always side on the side of the fighters, and I think what they did was like the way they went about their business to me mm-hmm. does not seem like it was so, so do you think USANA made UFC better? I mean, that's tough, I guess. I don't even have an answer to my own question. Well, I, I remember we talked about at the gym just to kind of go back into the USADA and, you know. I would say outside of the fighter stuff, like waking like Volk up the night before, he's about to go for double champ status against Islam and things like of that nature and waking fighters up. At, I mean, how many fighters like, dude, I've got a USADA guy here and it's 6 a.m. or right. something. Like, that's Chasing crazy. guys down. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, outside of that stuff, I would say, yeah. Well, we, because I'm for a clean sport. When we were at the gym, you were talking about what uh, Cheeto Vera had said as far as like yeah. getting past a test from He them. said $30,000 and a good doctor, and you can basically... Beat USADA. You can beat USADA. That's, mm. what, that's what Cheeto said. And, and fair play to Hunter Campbell, too, because he did say, you know, over the the six years that they've been here, this was the best option we had. Yeah. Um, and we were proud of sure. how that went. But I think, it, cause I think if USADA doesn't come out with the McGregor statements and some of the other stuff, maybe this goes a little bit more applicable, but it didn't happen because they were kind of... He even um, <clears throat> referred to the president or whatever of USADA as like freaking out like after a breakup once yeah. he found out that... <laughs> yeah, but that's probably a ton of money. I, oh. mean, I can't imagine. I mean, yeah. who knows how long... You know, I don't know who else USADA test for or has contracts through but man that's got to be I mean, this has to be their only major because i everything i even left some off <laughs> the list yeah, of from that, the, from the new yeah company. the drug free sports uh, international so yeah but you know you don't you don't really hear a ton about like other sports athletes popping anymore Mm-mm. you know so, every now and then you'll get an nfl and he'll get suspended yeah but it doesn't happen very often in in, in relation to numbers so, per, so does that mean it's effective or does that mean I don't think you hear as many people complain, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, so what I'm saying is this new company, yes, like they work with everybody. I think I think I told you I heard they even test horses for yeah. like the dirt, like the horse racing and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean. If, what if they're just easier to buy? Like, is that what you're saying? I mean, I don't know. I, what I if instead I, of $30,000 and a good daughter, it's ten grand and like sure. just, as, just as good? Yeah, because I don't hear, you know. Sometimes baseball. Sometimes some of them big hitters or whatever will get popped for some steroids. See, or I don't even hear about baseball anymore, really. But it's very small. Here, okay, in, in he, relation. here's a question. So with USADA, who 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 determined the consequences for a violation? Was it USADA? I think that I think I, I don't know. I think they the collaborated with like the commission that Jeff Novinsky probably had something. I think they kind of mm-hmm. came up with it together. That's something I care I think, about. I that, don't know. That's something I care about. Like I understand there's the whole science behind when you're taking something, how long it's in your system and if how long is the efficacy. But like I, I don't like the whole, okay, you popped three year suspension. Like that to me is kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not going to be efficacy in someone's body for three years, why are we suspending them for three years? Like mm-hmm. that's one of my only problems, bigger, bigger problems, I guess with USADA was, and I think that fell back onto like Olympic standards is what they were using yeah. for, for a mm-hmm. lot of their consequences. Um, I want, I want, if we're going to con- give consequences for violations, I want them to be somewhat reasonable. And if you think about fighting two, three years is a long time. It's a career for some but, Yeah, people. that's crazy. So yeah. I want that to be a little more reasonable. Well, I mean, even going, and, and, and I guess now I'm getting more like off the USADA, like I'm starting to think like, man, did they, were they really even that? I mean, I don't know. It's tough because it, 
I guess what I'm just saying, you guys can laugh, but even like the John Jones, like the picogram thing where it's mm-hmm. like they suspended John Jones and took him out of the DC fight for a picogram, but then came back, what was it, two years, three years later, mm-hmm. and were like, actually, picograms are fine and they right. don't affect anything. And John Jones should have never been pulled from that fight, should have never been stripped for it. So, like, really, you know what? F you, Sato. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, but, like, I guess that's kind of like another knock against him. Like, you know, like in, I mean, yeah, John Jones never got like, at least I never saw like a formal or public apology or mm-hmm. anything like that. He never got his title. You've seen like Yoel back. Ramirez had to go through a whole lawsuit yeah. with a whole nother company. But I think you can give them some grace in how young the UFC is, especially the drug tested yeah. UFC. We don't know what was happening early before, but since, you know, since you get to like the USADA, there, there's going to be some trial and error on how this works because you have so many moving parts. So it'll be interesting to see how this new company handles yeah. fighters all over the country, cross training here, moving there, you know. So what was your, what was the Gordon Ryan thing? He was saying if you uh, if you get rid of testing, it's going to make the sport better. It's going yeah, to right. make guys healthier. They're going to perform better. I, I'm I'm not directly quoting and paraphrasing, but so I I can't be for sure, but it did seem like in the press conference, I can't remember which one. Maybe it was something Dana. Said. I don't know, dude. It's been so much this week trying to ingest it all, but it seems like somewhere I kind of interpreted something that a UFC, whether it was Dana, Hunter Campbell, or one of them, that kind of insinuated that. The whole thing of like taking performance enhancing drugs to help heal from extreme injuries is something that they are open to in the future. Like in the case of Conor McGregor or like a Darren Till, who we know is kind of, it seems like anyways, doing a similar Mm -hmm. thing right now, a similar hiatus. Um, I think... I think I could kind of be open to that. Like some form of a language that protects like a certain grade of injury to where you're allowed a certain amount of time to take something to properly heal Mm -hmm. um, and recover from. Right. Right. Which I think you, which I agree what? with. I can't even, I can't even get into what I want to get into because we'll be sitting here for an hour. Yeah, we should have done two episodes. This, this was supposed to be so, two episodes. So I'm just yeah. gonna be quiet. I mean, do you not agree with that? Like, you know, you wouldn't be open to no, or, or you just think, or do you think if you're gonna open that door, just open it all? Yeah, the way. if you're gonna open that door, what are you saying about steroids when you say, oh, look how great it is as far as helping people heal and longevity yeah. and athletes? Like, but it's also this terrible, awful thing and it's so dangerous. Sure. We can't allow people to compete with it. What? Like. That's but just, are they? Da- I guess my biggest thing though is like, are they healthy? I think there's enough like evidence that's shown that they're not safe and healthy to take for long, like over a long period they're not. of time. So you could also, so I understand the argument of like, yeah, but if somebody wants to take that risk and take them over a ten year career, let them ruin their life. Yeah. But I, I just, I think there has to be like some sort of responsibility on the UFC in a sense to protect fighters, almost if it even is from if, themselves. What? I don't agree with I that. Have You're going to start telling them to ban sodas? They can't eat unhealthy foods either? I mean, but we're talking a different degree of, like, like issues that can be caused from long-term but steroid we're not, use. I guess we're not, we're not experts either, drinking though. a soda. But we're not experts either, though, as far as what are those long-term negative consequences. Right. How bad are they really? Because you see people, like, bodybuilders on this stuff for a long time. Yeah, and, and a lot of them end up with, like, really bad health issues some, after their career. Some do and some don't. And I think some that's, of them can't even I th- walk. I think that's individual. And if you're talking about Ronnie Coleman, that was all, like, a lot of injuries from his back and squatting. Like, but that's a different yeah. issue. I do have one quick last question. If 
uh, Vitor started taking TRT right now, do you think he can get back to a title? <laughs> I don't know. That'd be interesting. I'm just saying because TRT Vitor yeah, that was, different. was a created player. That so. was freaking. I agree with Brandon. This all this almost could have been an episode on itself. Uh, Which it might itself. need to be a table and bring yeah, it back. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Especially well, if we well, see how things turn it, out with yeah, him. Yeah, it will be something to come back to because it's going to continue and the story is going to continue to develop. So I'm sure there's going to be more to talk about in the future. Um, moving on, Israel Adesanya in a recent interview said he plans to take an extended hiatus from MMA after his loss to Sean Strickland. Um, after having five championship bouts over 20 months, he said he felt the frequency of his fighting was starting to catch up with him, saying before the Strickland fight, he felt like he was on the back end of his career and wanted to do as many as he could because he knows once he's done, he's going to end up missing it. Um, but after the loss and having four fights in 14 months, the training and the injuries with the Pajeda fight, he just wanted to take time to look after himself, saying that he's not going to fight for a long time, but he's definitely not retiring because he knows that he won't let himself go out like that. But also saying that even if he did retire, he'd be fine because he doesn't feel like he has to prove anything. Um, but that he knows that he can, what he can do and the changes he can make to his lifestyle to make his body adapt to where it needs to be, but he's going to heal himself up first. Like don't drink and drive three weeks before a fight. Maybe Maybe that's part of it. I mean, I think I see a middleweight division that's on fire with mm. contenders. <laughs> I mean, he already ran through it. So not the ones not coming up, not DDP, not Sean Strickland. Not Bo Nickel, not Hamza Shimaev, not Kamara Usman. You're talking about guys who haven't even won big just fights saying, in middleweight. I'm just, no, I'm just I'm not going to subscribe. I think it's great for him. I've seen, I agree. I, I've seen a lot of people like kind of saying like, oh, all these people coming out of the woodwork and now Izzy wants to bounce. No, no, this dude, Izzy has, consi- and, and I'm saying this in full defense of Izzy, has been one of the most fightingest champions of the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the dude is always fighting consistently three times a year usually what was it four fights in 14 months yeah. i think he five, said five championships fights over the past no, 20 but four over I, the past I, 14 i am totally fine with izzy taking time and even the whole like drinking and driving like that's a a, a not very nice joke but it was a joke but like because i think what he's more saying there is i think he's realizing that physically he needs to change his mm-hmm. body. He needs to start taking probably some type of a lifting program more serious, developing some more muscle mass. I, I don't know. Right. I don't really know. I'm sure there's a healing aspect to it that he probably wants as well, which I totally couldn't imagine again. So. Well, and we've seen some champions after they lose the belt, have that exhale moment sure. and, and take a chance. And we talked about him needing to possibly go yeah. train other places, uh, add yeah, some more tools. Yeah. So this is the perfect time to do it. Well, and I think too, and I'd have to, I don't have Izzy's record pulled up in front of me, but outside of that second Alex Pereira fight, it's not like Izzy has like really had crazy good performances either. He's not mm. been performing to the level that we saw early in his career. Um, I believe the set, Whitaker was probably, yeah, his last. that was, well, that was, did a, he fight Costa after Whitaker or before? After, after Costa was a good performance. It, it was Whitaker, Romero, and I've got his stuff pulled up, and then Costa. Yeah, okay. so, but even, like, going back to that Romero fight, like, what was that? Right. I mean, you know, the Cannoneer fight wasn't great. And the that, Strickland fight wasn't great. He beat Costa, lost to Jan, and then he had Vittori, Whitaker again, Cannoneer, yeah. Alex, Alex. Well, I think Trump. the first Alex fight he was beating. It was, it was good you know, until it wasn't. Right. But I guess I'm saying all that is maybe this is a guy that just is suffering from well, a little burnout. And, and when you go back to, like, the earlier part of his 
career. TKO, 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 KO, TKO. After the Whitaker fight. Decision, decision, TKO. Like, once you started getting into, like, Derek Brunson. It was once he beat Whitaker for the title. After that, it was just, like, decision, decision, decision. I mean, and that probably changes the way you approach fights when you're a champion. and He's changed his life. No. And I think the other part of it, too, is, you know, needing that chance to step back and he's still not in yeah. a bad position for when if he does want to come back that ddp fight they'll make it a oh, year from no, now I two just, years from now it don't I matter he would do it though. he's 34 yeah. i have a question for you guys so hypothetically let's say he did hang it up because like he said he doesn't have anything to prove and i agree i think mm. i think he's had a pretty great career but when you look back on his career and you look at where he was prior to yawn when he when he fought yawn and we talked about like the potential double champ position he was talking mm-hmm. about fighting john jones there's yeah. a lot of beef there do you guys feel like easy met at this point do you feel like he's met expectations as no. far as what you wanted to see no john? because i can say by yeah. unbiasedly i genuinely thought Izzy would be a double champ one day mm. john and i think he still could be he yeah, can, he can beat he Alex, be. and Alex could get the belt in a year now from now, and they could still fight. Yeah, that's not to say if he still couldn't. If but it's, if, let's say it's any. But he said if it stopped today, right? And okay, now back to just one more question. Let's say that it's any two hundred fiver, but it's not um, Alex. You think Izzy? Has I still a good think shot he has a chance if it's not Alex Pereira. because if he can knock out, I think he can knock out anybody, or I think he can he can apply a game plan. It just depends on if somebody can negate that i don't even know if for me he could eclipse anderson silva without even winning a light heavyweight fight because yeah like anderson never won the light heavyweight title but he did win mm-hmm. light heavyweight fights against very high level contenders right um but and, i think that getting the belt back is something no middleweight has ever done before sure and the run that he went on in this period of activity is going to be very hard for somebody to beat and stay so, at the but, top of a division. Right, but I think at one point, all of us thought Izzy was going to retire the greatest middleweight of all time. And if he retired now, he has not done enough, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to surpass Anderson Silva. Right. Yeah, and it'll also depend on how things age because some people look at things differently from the past as not being nearly yeah. as impressive once you get to the forefront of but things. But the way he positioned himself so early, especially in the John Jones beef, I did believe that one day he would be, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't against John Jones, but he basically made it apparent that he wanted a middleweight, light heavyweight title, excuse right. me. So uh, I, I feel like we live in a world now with mixed martial arts where even to be considered, you have to be a dual weight champion nowadays. It's mm-hmm. just it's, Alex Alex has a win at 205. Yeah, I know. It has a really good chance to become a middle. Uh, what if Alex Pedeta becomes a double champ before Israel Adesanya? With like seven with, MMA fights. With like half the fights. <laughs> yeah, he becomes the best combat athlete ever. I mean, this guy was a well, multiple kickboxing know. champion in two divisions. Does he pass Henry Cejudo? But he did it in like seven fights. I know, but does he pass Henry Cejudo? I don't know. It just depends. But I, I think it, it gets interesting. That but would be crazy. I never even thought about it that I way. I think that Kamara Usman is in a similar spot where he, we thought yeah, he was about to pass GSP. He's, he's on the heels. He lost. Now he's trying to make another run. So it'll just, I mean. But, dude, if, if listen to this. If Kamara Usman, right, beats mm-hmm. Hamza Shimaev and then goes on and beats Sean Strickland, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we might be talking about one of the, you could almost forget the Leon. GSP only did one fight at 85 and he yeah, got the, the title yeah. fight. He kind of got spoon fed the title fight against Bisping, in my opinion. <sighs> That that would be an interesting conversation to have if that. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can get shook up. Yeah. So, um, UFC Sao Paulo now has a new main event as Curtis Blades was forced to pull out of his highly anticipated match against Brazilian prospect Jelton Almeida. Stepping in for Blades to face Almeida will be the Black Beast Derek Lewis. Here, dude, you know what's funny is like <clears throat> I almost asked you guys, but I was like, oh, I'll just wait for the pod. Uh, 
a are you, how do I say are you a bit surprised that they're doing this? Like I I'm a little worried about for Almeida in that fight, man, because mm-hmm. I feel like Curtis Blades was always going to be a dangerous fight, but I also felt like you know Almeida can just you know it'll be like a wrestle thing. He'll be able to you know it might be more grappling heavy. I mean, we're talking about the guy who has the most knockouts yeah. in UFC history. <laughs> just be um, who did he just be? And no, I didn't think none of us uh, thought he was going to beat Rodrigo him. or Rodrigo. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't um, remember his name. But the flying knee. Yeah, he just flying knee a guy. Like, man, this is a risky fight for Jelton Almeida, uh, and for the UFC. You know, I, I mean, I guess it, it still totally makes sense. I get it, but like, man, yeah, that's an interesting. I'm gonna choice. have so much trouble picking that. Yeah, that's mm. an interesting. That's choice. Lonely Heart versus who I think really has a chance to be the champion like soon. Yeah, that's a that is an interesting shot because, like I said, I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I, <laughs> It, it, I guess I'm already starting to th- like process in my head, but it's like, man, can Almeida take Derek Lewis down? I mean, he's just so massive. Well, I think the difference too in the takedowns and not getting hit is going like ankle and low and not yeah. going at the waist where you can just get knee. Did not or, work out for Curtis Blades. Yeah, this is who's had a, a weirder run. I mean, he beats um, Aspinall with the weird injury. Yeah. Doesn't get the backup role because Pavlovich gets it twice in a row. Then you get sent to Brazil, and now you're having to pull out of this one. So. Um, next we have starting in January next year, first of its kind retirement fund being put into law in California. The California state athletic commission will be tasked with setting up this fund. Yeah. So John, John had brought this up and this, this was one of those things that like came out earlier in the week. And I was like, gosh, like with the Almeida, right. Derek Lewis. And I'm like, man, I almost forgot that was even announced like that. That probably would have been like one of our bigger announcements this week. Right. All hell broke loose. But, um, I, yeah, I just haven't looked into it enough, mm-hmm. and that's what I was telling John. Like, you can definitely bring it up because I do think it is worth it, but it's one of those things, again, we're going to have to kind of shelf and because right. I just don't know. I have not even had a chance to scratch yeah, it. I was going to say, is that all we know, what you read? Uh, there's a little bit more info, but it's it's getting it got put into law, and then the commission will have to set up the fund. I don't know exactly. Yeah, because, like, do you have to live in California? Right. Do you have to have a certain amount of fights to qualify for it? Like, what? Do you have to be in a certain promotion? Like, you know, can anybody that's had a professional mixed martial arts fight, you know what I mean? Like, well, and how are you paying for the fund? Is it is sure. it just California paying into it or do fighters have to pay right. into it? Because, I mean, it's something we're going through right now with our jobs. Like retirement is a, a yeah. big thing we've talked about with these guys. Some of these guys fight way too long because they don't have nothing to turn back to afterwards. Yeah. So this is a big chance for them. Um, UFC will be doing a fight night card in Saudi Arabia in March. Uh, obviously, they have made waves in Abu Dhabi, but PFL also has a stronghold in Abu, uh, Saudi Arabia as well with their investors. Yeah, they purchased so, them. So it'll be interesting to oh, see how how this all works out. But it seems like the UFC is doubling down on their um, yeah. Middle East investments. Yeah. Um, the UFC held a matchmaking contest where the winner got a chance to meet Dana White and his matchmakers and talk to set up some fights. Well, after the Contender Series last week, Dana White announced that he was so impressed by Joe Reeves that he actually hired him. He offered him a contract after seeing his passion for the UFC, stating that he knows every fighter on the roster, and even told a story of Joe meeting Cody Garbrandt, who jokingly asked Joe to get him a fight, which he went to talk to Dana White and got him a fight. got him the fight. I can't wait to see what that fight is. Yeah, so it seems like, um, I mean, I mean, well, he said he, he said he brought in the contract for for him to fight sign for that fight, and, he, and then Dana said he was like, "Hey, on, I got one more contract." Yeah, and put it in front of him. And was like, "Do you want to work for the UFC?" Could you even quantify oh, what that would feel like? Just lose your mind. He said he lost his mind. Oh yeah, like, yeah dude. I would have too. 
I mean, yeah. it doesn't even really, really matter what the contract says. You're officially yeah. doing everything you love. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be matchmaking. There was no like specifications on what the probably job just like title an advisor is. or something. Like, just, throw out ideas. We'll see if we like them. I mean, yeah, those guys got to retire one day. Well, and it works with the company. You know, this guy's going to be a lot cheaper. Maybe Sean Shelby gets pushed out because you got this guy yeah, on the bottom. Yeah, but they won't push him. Uh, and lastly, misfit boxing results in the main event: Tommy Fury winning by decision over KSI. Um, weird fight. I thought it was the right decision. I, yeah. I, I told you, um, I kind of suspected maybe a draw mm -hmm. was what I kind of thought, but I felt like if somebody won, it was Tommy Fury. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, weird, weird style yeah, matchup. Not, not an inner, it was not a good yeah. fight. It was very boring. In the co-main event, Logan Paul winning by decision over <laughs> Dylan Dennis. Did you watch it? No. Oh, I saw you, highlights. Have you heard anything? I just saw it. Basically, the Logan just like was throwing punches the entire time. Oh, so you didn't hear how it ended? In Dylan, went, yeah, I saw that. Dylan went for the shot, guillotine. No, he, first he shot a double leg, well, oh. a single leg, which Logan defended. <laughs> and then, it, well, it's funny because like the ref took Dylan over and was like taking a point and Logan turns to the camera and he's like, I'm a state finalist wrestler, dog. <laughs> like he looked at the camera, like state qualifier, dude. You're not taking me down. And then they reset, and then yeah, Dylan gets on his head and like tries to get him in a guillotine and like sits back for it. And then like Logan, Logan's like, yeah. I defended that, and then yeah, I hit it him. Was with, a like, hammer a, fist? Yeah, he's like, I thought you were good at jujitsu, dude. I defended your takedown. I defended your guillotine. You no, know, one time he tried to do the the Anderson Diaz, like get on his back, like come in my guard because yeah. he's obviously. Dylan Danis didn't go into this wanting to box. No, he just didn't want to lose. Yeah. He just that that's a hundred percent. I think he just wanted to get through it and say, I did not get knocked out. I didn't lose. Um and and I don't think he was ever going to let it even go to decision. I think his thing was I'm either gonna try to land one shot that's gonna knock him choke out, this guy out or camera. I'm gonna get disqualified because then I don't lose at all. It's just a right. DQ. Um he and, and what's so funny, I told John, Dan Hardy literally said that before the fight. He's like, he he's going to do it. He's 100% going to try to take him down, put him in a choke. He's going to make a mockery did, of it. Did I see he only threw nine punches in six rounds? He only landed yeah, nine. Oh, yeah. landed nine. He tried to throw a couple more like wild ones throw, at a certain point. Dude, I literally. First two rounds, he didn't throw anything. No, I but I told John, I was like, dude, when he lets go, he's low-key. Like, I think if he just let his hands go, like he'll have success. And he just didn't. But, but if I, you let just, go, you open up. But Logan's D had like zero defense. Right. Well, and you're, you know, you have to give. And he took some big shots from Logan. Yeah, too. Logan started opening him up a little bit later. Like he definitely showed up in shape. He ate a punch, you know, or a lot yeah. of punches. He took his best shots. I feel like at some point. So, yeah, definitely. Again, another horror show for in a, of a fight. Oh, but dude. and then coach. It was entertainment at least. Yeah, it was entertaining. I will say that. Well, then after he does the little hammer fist and walks away, Dylan Dance gets up and rushes him. Everybody is in the ring. <laughs> This man, Dylan Danis, tries to throw a Jermaine O'Neal knockout punch against a security guard who dips under it that's and right, that's misses what I told that. John, that's why I text John immediately. I was like, he couldn't even connect with the security guard. Like, <laughs> the like, security guard was like our size. It wasn't like he's oh, like he an was, athlete. No, he was like 6'8". He was yeah, massive. He ducked right under the big punch, which he was, like, he was probably thinking like, hey, this will go good on X if I hit somebody at least. Yeah. Um, but then I just thought it was hilarious with that coachman who was helping commentate with Ariel Hawani. He keeps on talking about like Dylan Dennis has to be a better boxer. And Ariel Hawani is like, he's just trying to look good for Twitter. Like he's, yeah. he's still going to turn this around and say, sure. you couldn't knock me out and oh, yeah. fight me in MMA would have been different. But, uh, and then lastly, also worthy of acknowledgement, in my opinion, is influencers, Slim and Salt Poppy, yeah, fight of the fight. night for me. That was fun. Uh, Salt Poppy looked great through three and then he didn't, he started yeah. eating some big straight punches. Random, um, random fun fact, when I was in New York, 
what was that last year? I ran into Slim, not ran into him, but saw him in Times Square. He was just like <laughs> casually, just like walking around. He had like a jug of water with him, just kind of mm-hmm. like I don't know if he was looking for something. He just was like kind of there. Yeah, nobody was like talking to him. He was just kind of down there. It's New York, man. I guess. Yeah, yeah. You're just nobody's. <laughs> everybody's nobody in New York unless you're like a like yeah. big celebrity. And I will <laughs> say, every single influencer's post fight was horrible. These guys are so bad at like they're trying to like trash talk, but then oh. they were just. I don't know. It just didn't work out for fights that weren't good. Yeah. So. Is that it? That's it. Brandon, song of the week. Oh, man. Let's do uh, Tears Don't Fall on my, my Valentine. I don't even know what that is. I'm oh, my gosh. I'm not going to lie to you. Sad. Get ready to look that one up, John. Yeah. I'll have to uh, go back and listen. <laughs> John, what is your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is I'm reading a book series called the Rivion series. Oh, and we talked about this last week. I'm, I'm, fin- I'm What I'm saying is I finished book one. It was really good. Oh, okay. I'm on book two, excited to where the story's going. Gotcha. Um, but it's called uh, Thieves of Swords by Michael Sullivan, if anybody's interested. All righty. Yeah. Brandon, what is your one for the people? Um, did you guys talk about your purple belt last week? No, I got it this week. Or I was saving it for him. I usually mess that oh, up. Oh, it was but this week. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, there it was. So my one for people is Nate's purple belt now. So yeah. I'm no longer the jiu-jitsu expert, according to our instructor. So take that for No, you're, you're always the jiu-jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, always but, reference or default any questions no, to Brandon. But that was cool to see because I don't think you expected it. So no, it dude. Fun to watch. Man, I didn't. You know, like one thing I'll, I'll say, um, and this isn't like um, – this isn't anything like bad against Jacob, but I think Jacob does, and I'll say it's, he does a good job of like uh, making you understand the importance of what a purple belt is, especially going, you know, to purple belt. Um, so I'm, I totally understand your reaction to going purple belt because I'm like, dude, I just do not feel like <laughs> I deserve that by in any means. And uh, that's like when I got home, Ash is like, you don't even seem excited about it. And I'm like, I just don't really, I kind of feel icky about it. Like, I, don't, <laughs> well, it's I just funny. don't really feel like I deserve it. Like, I don't know. It just feels like it just doesn't. Uh, yeah, I was like, I mean, it's cool, but I don't really feel like I belong here. You know, like kind of yeah. like one of those vibes. Um so yeah, I mean, but but I did tell her is like, but at the same time, like I totally trust Jacob and have a, like I know he doesn't, you know, it's not like a pay to play thing necessarily, you know, where you know I don't think he would just do it because I just paid mm-hmm. you dues and show up. I feel like well, he do show something. What I was guess. funny is <laughs> I, I brought it up to you is obviously when Brandon gets his purple belt, he said I don't deserve it. Yeah, and when you get go to get yours, you're like dude, I don't even want to roll. We're just gonna get out of here as soon as he does promotions. Obviously, not knowing you're oh, about to yeah. get a purple belt. Yeah. So when we got to class, I had to get home early Tuesday night. Yeah, I told John as I was like, hey, man, um, as soon as we're done, I'm I gotta go early. And then yeah, I got a purple. <laughs> so he gets the purple belt. He's like, I ah, gotta go though. Yeah, like I still haven't <laughs> yeah, even. It's I, already uh, starting. I still haven't even rolled as a purple <laughs> belt. But yeah, no man, I love it. I just I'm I'm glad I you know like I told John I was like I always. I always think it's funny because I always said, like, I just want to get a blue belt. And mm-hmm. then, like, I was just kind of going to be done with it, really. I guess I didn't have any plans after that. So, I never pictured it. But, man, I love it. I'm never um, – yeah, I'm never too good to drill. You know, I just want to keep drilling, keep learning, keep growing. And You're going to change your mic cord color? Say what? No. <laughs> just checking. What is – oh, yeah, I got green. Um, The other thing I was – what else was I going to ask you? Um. I can't remember what it was going to be the mic cord. It was the mic cord thing and something else. But, yeah, congratulations on your purple belt, my boy. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, my one for the people. So, uh, probably shouldn't have done this on, like, a longer episode because <laughs> I've got a whole other segment here, basically. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it wasn't accounting for it, but we'll get through it real quick. So, I saw a reel this week, um, and a lady did, like, her best cartoons that never left the 80s. 
Mm. So I wanted to do one, but for the nineties, cause I'm, I am a true nineties baby and that I was right. born in 1990. Yes, so sir. I got the full, full gambit, baby, yeah. all 10 years of it. Uh, so here were like my only rules. I don't know what her rules were, but these, this was like the stipulations I set on myself, uh, where these had to, the, the cartoon had to start and end in the nineties. Mm. Uh, so if they continued past the year 1999, they were not up for consideration. Uh, so by no means are these like the best cartoons of the nineties. They are right. just the ones that started, but never made it to past the year 2000. So, mm. or to the year 2000. Um, and I wasn't going to rank them, but then I decided that was very cowardly. Yeah. So I decided to put them in a ranking system. <laughs> Number 10. We're going to go 1 through 10. I'm going to start at 10, though, okay? All right. So uh, I didn't put the years in here, but just know. You did your research. They all started, yeah. Number 10 is... Uh, the Mighty Ducks animated series. Mm, that's um, a good one. And that's number 10 because it only had one season. Right. There was only one season of that show, so it ranks low. Number nine, Biker Mice Ooh, from Mars. I was say, if that ain't on there, man, yep. I might have to take the friend card. Number eight, Gargoyles. Ooh, nice. That's Love eight? Ooh. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. This is, this is going to get spicy. Number seven, Ren and Stimpy. Mm. Love Ren Sketchy Stimpy. now that you look back at it, but really good. <laughs> Why you say that? You ever like watch that show now? Uh -uh. There was a lot of hidden stuff in there. Oh, really? Number six, Street Sharks. Mm, yeah. I love the Street Sharks. Number five, one that nobody else ever watched, I think, but me and my siblings, Cowboys of Mumesa. I think I remember you bringing that up to me, and I was like, yeah, no, I have no. We're the real Cowboys. All right, this is when we're getting number one through four. This is mm. where it gets spicy. Number four. Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. yeah. The best. Yeah, it's a really good one. The best. I mean, we had the whole VHS of all of them. They were constantly being watched. Number three, Rocco's Modern Life. Mm, yeah. Number two, Ah Real Monsters. Ooh. Classic. And number one, boys, I was a bit shocked this did not make it out of the 90s. It's almost criminal. Uh, for all of these movies did not count. Like, I think Rocco's Modern Life, they did a movie. Mm -hmm. um, this one, my number one, I think they did a movie sometime. But shocked that as an animated series, this did not make it out of the 90s. Can I make a guess? Yeah. Rocket Power. No, that did. Oh, oh that that would have been number one. Oh, it made it past 2000? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I think Rocket Power went into like 2000 two or three mm. it said it started in uh 99 oh so that yeah. makes sense number one boys do 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 same hairstyle do 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 what do you think it is john i'm asking him i know what it is do you what is it douglas yeah on, doug man. baby you see i was just pointing him same hairstyle number one is doug yeah. i cannot believe that did not make it out of it. how did that not survive the 90s so many episodes, I feel Ah, you. Like. That's a classic. Killer Tofu. You don't know the beats, Brandon? Nope. Dang. Did you watch Doug? Dude, I was 95. So did So any a lot of mine were like Rocket Power and like ones yeah, that that a little bit later. Wild Thornberries. Ended, ended yet. Wild I looked that one up. It didn't make, uh, that made it past the 90s. Yeah. yeah. SpongeBob is still going. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I agree with the the most of the list. Some of them that I would, I, I don't even know if they were, they may have been older and they were just showing them. But Cartoon Network had some bangers. Johnny Quest, I don't know if that was older than the 90s. Oh, yeah. Johnny Quest was like, my dad watched Johnny okay, Quest. Okay, so <laughs> they just brought that in. Like, I like Space Ghost. That was fun. Like, that whole, which did like the Cartoon Network era make it? Yeah, that was more to early 2000s. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Rugrats. Rugrats made it past 2000. Mm -hmm. It made it, I think it made it to like 2004. Hey, Arnold. Hey, Arnold made it into the 2000s, I looked. 
Yeah, see, those are all mine. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, see, these are, like, we're getting into, like, best cartoons. Like, Recess would have been on, like, Did Darkwing Duck make it out? Uh, I looked that up. Um, I, I, saw, well, I saw it on a couple of the lists that I was looking up, um, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't really care for Darkwing Duck too much. Yeah. Did Freakazoid make it out of the 2000s? I have no idea. It's another one. Did, I didn't really lot. watch Freakazoid. I didn't watch a lot of Cartoon Network. The only ones I looked up from Cartoon Network were uh, Johnny Bravo and Dexter's Lab. Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, that's a good one. But I'm pretty it, sure they all I bet made it. Made it past, yeah. D- did Dexter make it past? I felt yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, I made it into the early 2000s. Early 2000s was probably the, the peak of Cartoon Network, though, so I guess Yeah, that makes I sense. think Powerpuff Girls didn't make it in, but I wasn't that and crazy. And now that I think about it, I only remember, because remember the bowling league we were in, the if you got through it, you got to get a yeah. Cartoon Network ball, and yeah. it was Ed, Ed, and Eddie, yeah. Dexter, and Powerpuff and Girls. Ed, Ed, and Eddie, which one has the really long hat? Ed. Ed. For the longest time, I thought that was his hair, and I thought it was a girl. What? Yeah, I was an idiot. Yeah, you were young. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were definitely like five. Still in your pampas, boy. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, I wasn't big into Cartoon Network, but mm-hmm. yeah, those were those were my top ten. I had to do it. You have to bring those back, man. Get you a DVD collection. I should do it for something. 2000s. Do yeah, it. Do it. Yeah, if you, and maybe I'll do another one. Maybe next I'll do like, maybe, maybe I'll do like live action, like, series like power rangers mm. stuff like that like live like like live action big bad do, beetle borgs do those disney movies yeah maybe do that maybe video games mm. we'll see rob schneider movies i might just randomly start dropping lists on you guys hey, is what i'm saying i think jacob would love you <laughs> come back next week we'll recap ufc 294 and yes, get you set up for our picks and predictions for Derek Lewis versus Jelton Almeida. Uh, enjoy the fights. Appreciate we'll everybody who stayed around. Yeah, it's almost two hours. Oh, jeez. Yep, what well, we didn't want to do. Goodbye. See you guys. Peace. <laughs>